It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks, Speedy Petey, and Tyler Harrison. Tyler Harrison. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? To a new show of the Sports Loudmouths. I am your host, Errol Big Easy Marks. And Speedy on the board as always. Speedy, the damn Petey, and Tyler Mothball Harrison is in the studios as we speak. So that's a great, you know, combination right there. All three of us are in the studio right now. Who do I got to pay around here to get a better nickname? 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Actually... Tyler and me uh, yesterday went out with the oh, beef, no. and my friend Eric actually was there. Oh, Eric's a riot. It's all four he's, of us. He's a riot. Oh, yeah, you're God. too loud. Could you imagine these two in oh, the same God. bar? What a weird, what a combination that is. Combination, loud as hell, back and forth banner, and they had everybody at the bar wanting to choke them. By the end of the night. The beef so. and Eric is crazy enough in itself. Well, the beef was more quiet. The it was beef, more. The beef doesn't talk. Yeah, it wasn't. It really wasn't the beef. It was really Eric. And Tyler. That, but that's, that, that's not even entirely true. I didn't talk that much. Yes, she did. Mm-mm. So what were you doing? What? What, what would you call that? Uh, loudly listening. Uh, oh, so you were loudly listening, and he was using his mind to speak with his big loud mouth. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Tyler has another power, a maximum power. He uses his mind to speak. Oh, I forgot. Most people do. Anyways... Uh, we have a great show lined up for you guys tonight. We're taking applications, people. <laughs> We're taking applications. At 9.30, we'll be talking to ESPN Cleveland radio host Matt Fontana. That'll be interesting. Fontana! Yeah, he's actually a nice guy. I, I have watched his show in, in Cleveland a long, long time ago. He's been around for a while and uh, very talented. Uh, and I guess I don't he's know. talking about the Browns? Yes, he'll, he'll talk about the Browns. Brown, a mixture of everything, yes. but probably mostly the Cleveland Browns Steamers. And NFL. Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> he'll talk about all different things. I mean, there's a lot to talk about with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're a good team. They are a very competitive team. They I are. heard LeBron wants to go back. I don't know about that, but uh, uh, they are a competitive team. I think they have, to me, they have the Rookie of the Year on their team right now as we speak. Garland? Mobley. No. Mobley. Oh, right. From Garland. USC. Garland's not a rookie. Yeah. No, I was like, what? Well, so they have, a, they have a good young team, and they have a team that's growing. So we'll get into that in Cleveland sports and his thoughts on New York sports, which is really nothing to talk about. I mean, Cleveland sports has been the worst in all the professional sports, and now New York sports slowly but surely. Detroit's got a pretty good argument for that. It's, it's <laughs> moving, every team is terrible there. It's moving in now. So <laughs> anyways, at 10.30. The Tigers are on the up and up. 
The Tigers? They improve, but they're still they rebuilding. Stink. No, they, they, they do. They compared. They had to, 77 wins this year. They no, stink. I know, but they yeah, are. A lot more than they were supposed to have. Right. They were supposed to have like 30. They're, yeah, they were no. supposed to be as bad as the Orioles. And they're going to be just as bad this year. Uh, anyways, at 1030, we will be talking to Metzmerizer, well, Metzmerized writer and editor, Matt Musico. He was on the show in January. Haven't, you know, I haven't heard from him in a long time, but. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember everything that he said the last time he was on the show. Well, it was right after the Lindor trade. Yes. So it was actually very good mm. timing. And now Buck he was bragging. Just wasn't hired. he bragging about the Lindor yeah, trade? Yeah, he was. Oh, good. Was. This will be fun. This will be really fun when we get him on the show. Uh, but we'll have that, him on at 1030. Uh, we're going to get into the whole Buck show, Walter. Uh, their introduction. When's the introduction of him? I think tomorrow. Him? Tomorrow. So Buck will be introduced. Uh, he signs a three-year deal with the New York Mets. Uh, to be the new manager of the organization and the team, uh, being that he's probably the oldest manager in professional baseball. Uh, I don't know how long he will be the manager for the New York Mets. I, If I was Buck, I'm bringing in a young guy, a young up-and-coming manager uh, to my uh, coaching staff. So maybe when he decides to step down, just like Mattingly and Joe Torre, he moves in uh, and he takes over the organization and the management of the team. So uh, I don't know if that's what they're doing, but the Yankees got a new coaching staff. I mean, they added Eric uh, Chavez as their bad guy. Very good signing, by the way. I, I, I like Eric Chavez. Uh, well, gold glove gold glove defensive player. Mm-hmm. Great hitter, too, if, with the athletics. He was also very good with the Yankees when he, he came in. He would have been a Hall of Famer if injuries didn't get to him. Yep. Absolutely. So Eric Chavez is now added. There's a couple other guys that was adding to this uh the staff with uh, Aaron Boone, and I, I will say this: uh, it's a make or break year for Aaron Boone because uh, this team needs to get into the playoffs and at least go to the American League Championship. Uh, there, Remember, we don't know what's going to happen until uh, this strike, this this lockout is over. But I'm sure there's a lot of rumors. This this Freeman thing is starting to grow legs because now the Red Sox are coming into the conversation. There's well, that's quite, just despite the Yankees. Well, there's quite a few teams that are interested in, in making a move for Freeman. And I'm telling you this right now. The Braves are not an organization that really pays their players. So no, right. uh, I, I will say this. If, if a team offers a guy like Freeman $250 million, I think he's gone. I think he leads the Braves. I think he goes elsewhere. And I found out, which is weird, I thought he was like 29, 30. He's 30, 32, going to be 33. Right. But he's still in the prime of his career. You and give he's him, durable. So. You give yeah, him a four- or five-year deal. Prime is... Yeah, he's got four years left on his prime. Ah. He's a good hitter. In the National League, no. In the National League, he'd have two or three years left on his prime. In the American League, you could put him at DH. So you get another well, the, the DH is coming to the National League. Oh, maybe. So, right. It is. Right. So... Yeah. Uh, I don't. It doesn't really matter. He's where still he a good goes. enough defender to leave his first. Yeah, for right, right now. now. For right now, though. Yeah, right now. You don't know how he's going to age. No, unfortunately, you don't know how any of these guys are going to age. <laughs> the Braves can make a trade for a defensive first baseman if they need that. That's true. Uh, so uh, we'll get into that in just a few moments. We'll get into. There's really nothing to talk about with the lockout, but there are some rumors. There are some teams. Uh, obviously, Correa, uh, Correa, uh, uh, Carlos Correa. There's. There are rumors now that Marcus Stroman has reached out to him. He's trying to recruit. Uh, Carlos Correa to come to the Cubs. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. The Cubs are a rebuilding team. Uh, they're not ready to win right now, so it doesn't make any sense why Carlos Correa would go to the Cubs. But There's you no never know when it comes to money. Uh, you know, money talks, and maybe the Cubs open up their wallets and pay him. So uh, we'll get into that as well. Uh, we will also get into football. We'll talk a lot of football today. 
Uh, there's just so much to get into with what happened in week uh, week 16, right? 15. 15, 15 I'm sorry. is the last week. 16 is upcoming. Right. And and by the way, the first Monday and Tuesday, uh, double-heading Monday we've had this year. And we had our first Tuesday games, I think, in like the last 10 years. Well, there were some last year with, the, Was there a with, with COVID. Yeah, the really? Bills and Titans were, were one. I think the Steelers played. I don't remember that. Uh, the Ravens uh, or Tuesday? something like that on a Tuesday. Yeah, they really? Had, they had to be, they had to move some games around. Double header postponed. Uh, yeah. I don't know about two, but I don't know about a double header. But it was not essentially a double header because you couldn't watch both games because we Which couldn't I even didn't, see the I, Seahawks. I, I, that's another thing I want to talk about. We'll we'll talk about that a little later in the show. What the NFL was doing? They put the Washington football team in the Philadelphia Eagles on. But you wouldn't put Seattle versus the Rams. I mean, Seattle yeah. versus the Rams is a better game. No, yeah, but you have to also. The East Coast was going to get the Eagles game. Box. No, I know, but like, it didn't matter. Yeah, like it didn't why matter. wouldn't one network take the other game? It doesn't, make, doesn't, any sense. No sense. It doesn't make any sense. It ruined. It really ruined uh, Tuesday's football games because I would have loved to watch both games. But anyways, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. We'll get into uh, the, the Jets having 15, oh. 15 COVID you know, uh, situations. Now. It's like what the whole coaching staff, the too, whole right? coaching staff, Robert Soller is going to be out for at least two weeks. You have practically your starting lineup is out. Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, uh, practically everybody is out. Well, more, for this Moore's game. out for the year. Regardless. No, Moore was coming back for the, He'll be back for the last two games. They said he was, uh, he was going to come back for the last two games. I wouldn't play. Uh, I would, but why you want to lose? No, you want to lose. They're not going to win. They're not beating the Jaguars this week with all the injuries. The Jaguars are going to beat them. With all these these COVID, I don't know about that. The the, the, the listen, I, I'm not saying COVID, right? COVID thing, but like, this, you know, what, that what would be it? the jet COVID, thing uh, to do, right? Win the game. What do they call it? And COVID screw your draft pick. Condi- uh, con- uh, COVID, COVID, yeah, COVID conditions, conditions or whatever. But they're out. Fifteen guys, and, and they're all line, starting lineup. That really should just be a loss. It, it should be, and it's probably going to be. I think the Jaguars are going to kill them. No, I mean, that should be like a COVID forfeit if you have X amount of players on your team. With COVID. Yeah, 56. That's why you have 56 players on your team or 55 Oh, yeah, players the Rams had 25. The Browns had 25, and they still played their game. So I would imagine it's And by the happen. way, the Browns almost won that game. Yeah, the Browns should have won that game. They should have won that game. The Browns should have won that game. That was a good, you know, Nick was playing very, very well. Oh, Nick Mullins. Beast. Oh, you know? no, no, I'm not talking about Chubbs. No, I thought you meant Mullins. But he played well, too. So Nick Mullins played well, too. I, I have to give him. Nick Mullins is probably one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. The fact that he's a third, what is he, a third string? He was a third string because Case Keenum is there, too. I don't right, who also that. has COVID. I, I mean, if I were the Jets or the Giants, I would bring Nick Mullins. I would take a flyer on Nick Mullins. I think he's I a great backup. You. I agree with you. I think he's a great backup. I, I think that the Taylor Heineke should get a, a, a shot. Like a real shot, because I don't think the football team's going to give him a real shot. I, I do. Think, I do. I don't know. He's played very well they this year. might not have has. a choice because of the way the draft is Yeah, the draft up. doesn't – yeah, it doesn't fall but well But there's going to be a lot of – there's going to be a lot of veteran quarterbacks on the move this offseason. Yeah, but I don't I – don't, I don't think Washington's really the leader for any of them right now. No, maybe Deshaun Watson, because Deshaun Watson seems to Ron fall. Rever- you got to remember, Ron Rivera's got clout in the league, and a lot of young quarterbacks are going to want to go play for him. Well, so. Deshaun Watson could – you know, it could be the guy if they can oh, yeah, somehow well, – Yeah, leave that to Dan Snyder. I, I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> I, I mean, but with everything, like, it, it's – it's percolating, or whatever the hell, like... Percolating? Uh, percolating. <laughs> I guess it's percolating. 
<laughs> percolating. What is this, your comic book thing all I don't over know. Again? I'm uh, using, purple, I'm using Wolf <laughs> Frazier's words, man. I'm trying to. No, I know. Yeah. Wolf he put Clive the Nick Frazier. sweater on. Now he's stinging like a Nick. This isn't good. I don't no, know. no. It, it was it's like a sweatshirt, a... and I've worn this sweatshirt a couple of times on the show in the past. No, so. no. I was referring to your uh, your comic book name that our, it is our comic book writer. Our thing, comic book writer guest from last year gave us. Uh, yes. Purple Urple or whatever that was. Yes, the purple. purple uh, the blue purple eater or something yeah, like that. Yeah, tiny, yeah. tiny purple eater. Something like that. Oh, we got to get him back on the show. He, he loved our show. He enjoyed it. Yeah, he was great. He really was. <laughs> he was was it? Yes. He, he, this he was, was last a, year. You weren't on the show. He was a writer. Yeah. But yeah, anyways. He, he wrote the – he was the lead comic book writer and, and show writer for the for the uh, TV show Winona Earp. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it. Yeah. It was, it's on Netflix. I think it was no. on Netflix. It might be now. It was originally on Sci-Fi Network or yeah. something like that. Anyways, oh, cool. and, and, and what's her name again? Loved the show. Jillian, yeah. Jillian, Jillian loved the show, and so, she was yeah. so excited mm-hmm. to get him on the show. A lot of his fans the, actually the, called the, the show and the, asked the, questions. The temp? What? Yes. Oh. Yes. Anyways, yeah. uh, we will get into that. We, we'll get a lot of football. Uh, we'll finish up hockey right now. Uh, you know, the NHL has really canceled all the games. Finally, all the way they the did year. something right. Finally. I mean, Finally. They, after they screwed the Islanders for the season. I mean, like, seriously. <laughs> they really did. I, I, but you know what? This could benefit the Islanders. He got that excuse from the beef, you know. No, no there was no, no excuse. They, this That's is the excuse. The, the, the NHL screwed the Wait, Islanders. They did. On, the refs be- screwed <laughs> the Cowboys. It's oh. the same excuse. If you don't, if you don't think the, the, uh, the NHL didn't screw the Islanders, I don't know what you were watching. The Islanders screwed the Islanders. No. With the COVID? They didn't Here's do that. Here's a famous wrestling quote. I didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed Brett. Yeah, well, this isn't uh, wrestling. That's fake. Okay? And, yeah, and, yeah. and and here's what I would say. The Islanders did screw themselves with the home games in, the first, in, the, in the first month. But the said. COVID situation, the COVID situation was not their fault. No, and being no. that the game should have been canceled the last two weeks uh, of that losing streak where they lost eight games, nine games in a row, uh, the NHL should have did them a favor with all they're in. Now the, the Islanders are practically, the, the, again, they have seven guys out. The Rangers have a couple of guys out. And and now all of a sudden because the Rangers got – you know, players out in the Devils. You know what? No, We're gonna that's, hold... that's bullshit. I, hey, listen. It had nothing to do with the hold Rangers. Hold the game. Hold the season out to, to the new year. It has to do with the Montreal Canadiens. It so has nothing to do with the Rangers. So they're not going to have any games until the new year, probably. Which means uh, this is going to be a long process and a long season. Well, that's good. The, Rangers the, benefit, the benefit to this is the last time this happened... Uh, and there was a significant uh, time off. The Islanders came back very, very strong. So hopefully uh, getting healthy, Pulak coming back, Brock Nelson coming back, this team will be at full strength with the last, I would say, 55, you know, 56 games left of the season. So who knows what could happen. So beggars can't be choosers. Um, Anyways. Oh, but they are. They're not. Uh, We will get into also uh, at the end of the show, we'll we'll talk a little basketball because uh, obviously the Nets are just – Dominating the Eastern Conference, and I and Kyrie Irving coming back. What are you clapping? Or what are you because doing? I'm in two fantasy leagues and two morons dropped Kyrie Irving, and now I got Kyrie Irving, a first round fantasy pick for nothing. You got morons. him for you got him Thank for a couple you. of games, not all the games. He's gonna get vaccinated. We'll, we'll see. About no, this. watch, uh, watch. Okay. He's gonna pull a U. He's gonna get. He got COVID, and now he's gonna go get vaccinated. Mark my words. Uh-huh. Or marks he should. my words. He should, but uh, that's just my opinion. Well, uh, anyways, let's uh, not get into that. So why don't we, uh, before we get our guest in ten minutes, why don't we get a little bit into the Buck Show Walter thing? Uh, we will talk Buck at ten thirty more with with the Mets guy. Uh, oh, he is ago. a Mets guy. Yeah, he is yeah. the Mets writer. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll we'll talk about Buck. We'll talk see about, that coming. We'll talk about obviously Scherzer, Scherzer. And remember, he's the one who loved the Lindor move, and and I loved it. And he told that. me I was out of my mind saying that I I thought he was a bust. So can't wait to get Musico back on to tell you tell him that uh, you know it doesn't mean that you're a good player in one place and you're going to be a good player in another. So. So far, it really hasn't worked for either team. Not, uh, Rosario played all right in the first half, struggled in the second half, and Jimenez was horrible in Cleveland, and then Lindor had a bad year last year with the Mets. I still think, listen, I think Lindor is still going to be a good player. I, I just, I don't know how good he's going to be here in New York. It's a completely, you know, he's a completely different player, different pressure on him. I, I think Max will be all right. I, what worries me about Max is not the, the stress of New York. It's his shoulder, his his age. That's the only thing. If Max can actually keep that shoulder and that shoulder stays healthy, He'll be fine in New York. I, I, I oh, believe that. Jerseys. So we'll, we'll get into that with Musico a little bit later. So why, why don't we get into this Buck Walter? And I wasn't surprised. As soon as I found out the breaking news, I sent it to you guys. I told you that Buck is signed uh, with the New York Mets three-year deal. Uh, I was very surprised because, Speedy, we were talking about this on the Weekend Crunch. I, I was I was really thinking that the Mets were going to wait until January 1st to make that announcement that Buck was going to be the new manager of this team. Uh, but I think with everything that's gone on, and it was, you know, the Yankees have been really coming up as a story on, in the newspapers. Steve Cohen wanted to make another splash to take the the Yankees completely out of the papers again, and he lands Buck Showalter. Now, I think Buck is going to be a good manager here. He's been a good manager everywhere he's gone. He is a good baseball mind, smart guy. And by the way, how'd my NFL picks? Wow, Jeff, you were right on two because – Jeff, why don't you – before we get in – listen, you, you, did, you did get it right. But the Patriots that you thought were going to win, I got that right. And I think that was the biggest, uh, the biggest loss for you this week because you were so sure that the Patriots were going to win. Okay? So just, just remember that. Why don't you go out of the box and actually make picks that you would think out of the box? Because I could do the same thing you do and make the same picks you do – the easy picks and pick the favorites because that's what most people do. So you could say whatever you want, and we'll get Jeff on the show a little bit later because we're gonna have a guest in just a few moments. But um, the the whole Buck Show Walter thing, I'm not surprised. I, I'm really not with with all the names that were coming out. Uh, we, we were talking about Osmus and. And, and all these, yeah, we, the fi- the three finalists weren't even awesome. No, was, well, I wasn't, was... sh- I wasn't, I wasn't sure with the whole because you you've seen the Mets do stupid things before. Yeah, I know. they don't <laughs> mention Osmus, and then Osmus, he's the new manager. Oh, that's what know? I was afraid of for the whole time. But yeah, the, the three finalists were Joe Espada, who's the Astros bench coach. Which I didn't want the Mets to have a chance with another with after what happened with Beltron, and then the Rays, uh, Quartaro, I think was his name was, which the, is a good manager, Rays bench coach, and he's going to get a management job very very soon because he's with the Rays and the Rays. Have been very successful. Every every single manager that's taken, or even GM or somebody a part of that organization that's gone somewhere, has been very successful everywhere they've gone. So I, I do believe that he will get a, a you know management job a lot sooner than later, and he will be successful. But Buck Showalter, he's the big splash. He was the big name. Um, now I, I'm not upset. That he left the Yankees. I'm not upset that he was an ex-Yankee. A lot of Yankee fans on social media were jumping jumping the gun with this whole Buck Showalter thing. Listen, Buck has been all over the place. He went with Baltimore, uh, a team in the American League East. Uh, he was successful. Never won there. He went to Texas. Uh, he, he, he was successful. Never won over there. Uh, everywhere he's gone, everywhere Buck's gone, he's made the team better. He's made the youngsters better. They became better players. But he never... He never got over the hump. Maybe this time with the New York Mets coming back to New York, 
uh, where he always wanted to coach. He wanted to come back to the Yankees. It didn't work. The Yankees weren't going to bring him back. I think him going to the Mets, we've seen this before. Joe Torre used to coach the, the Mets. Then he went to the Yankees and then won. So maybe this is, uh, you know, the opposite. I'm not saying he's Joe Torre, okay, because he's not. But Buck Showalter... Uh, he has a he's put in a position where he could succeed. He's got a he's got two studs uh, for pitchers. Obviously, Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer. Uh, I think highly profile, highly paid pitchers, but uh, not obviously uh, Degrom. He's not overpaid. I think they got to steal with him. That was the one thing that uh, Mister Van Wagenen did right. Yeah, something. But, and he something had a good stable. drafts. He had good drafts too. Yes, but. I think when you look at the big picture and the position that the Mets are in, especially with Buck Showalter, they're ready to win now. Three-year deal uh, with Lindor now, adding Max Scherzer, adding some players uh, to this team. I think that this team is ready to win now. Now, the question is— well, They're not done. I, I think I, I think they might add a little piece of They might add a error. couple of, like smaller or like serviceable level like mid tier pitchers, but well, that's not true because I've been hearing Chris Bryant's name uh, getting waved around. So I, I heard you were telling me that on yes. Friday. I'm I'm surprised though that they're the favorites right now. Now I I, I think that no, if Chris swoops in. I, I think that if Chris Bryant is still available uh, after the first week after the lockout. I think the Mets could swoop right in and get him because uh, he's going to want a contract. He's going to want to play baseball. And I, I think that somebody could, you know, it could be another Springer. Even though he's a great player, uh, nobody's giving him the contract that he wants to. He's going to take the best contract and offer that he can get. And I think Chris Bryant, I still believe, is going to get $200 million, especially what he did with the Giants last year, helped them lead them to the playoffs. Obviously, they, they didn't do what they were supposed to do in the playoffs, being there. They, they were the number one seed in the National League. Uh, but... I think Chris Bryant's still a great player. He's a great defensive player, and he's a great hitter. So, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be the Mets, but uh, there are rumors out here that the Mets are very much in the hunt for Chris Bryant, top three team to get him. So I I look at the the Buck Showalter hire – I, if, if you're a Met fan, you should be ecstatic. You should be happy because he's the first high-profile ma- manager that they've added since Bobby, Bobby Valentine. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, Bobby Valentine was very successful here with the New York Mets. He really was. He didn't win. He didn't win a championship. But he was as successful as a manager, as a highly-profile manager could come. And by the way, he coached Texas just like Buck Showalter did. Yeah. So I, I think when you look at Buck – Buck is the perfect guy with these personalities, uh, especially with Max. And uh, there are stories coming out that Max Scherzer had nothing to do with the Buck Showalter hire, and I believe that. I think it had a lot to do with Epler being um, obviously attached to him with the Yankees. Uh, he he's always been friendly with Buck Showalter ever since he left the New York Yankees and he went on with the Angels. Uh, he always kept Buck in his mind, but I think. When you look at the big picture of where the Mets are and what they're trying to do, they needed to make a splash at that management management position. They haven't done that in a long, long time, Speedy. So as a Met fan, you're a Met fan, you should be very excited about this. Yeah, I, I think Showalter as well was also is also somebody that will bring some accountability and make this organization a lot more stable. We talk about it all the time with the Islanders, how many uh, bad coaches and different uh, GMs. Or, Don't get me started the, with that. Or, they're the same GM and Garth Snow, but different like, decision-making they have to make. It. They finally bring in accountability, and they, and they end up winning. Not this season, but they end up winning. And the Mets kind of need that kind of reversal, too, with all the different off-field issues between players and past the two GMs last year, the Mickey Calloway situation. Obviously, that came out after he was fired by the Mets, but still, it's still gross regardless. And they need some kind of accountability, and that will end up helping from that standpoint. And also, for, for the players, I mean, you, 
a lot of these guys, they're fiery personalities, and they can get, I guess, overconfident, and then it'll end up getting in their heads for a while. Lindor is a fiery personality. Obviously, Baez isn't there anymore, but he was a fiery personality when he was there. Pete Alonso could be a fiery personality, even though he's, even though he's not. I don't think he's like talks as much as Lindor does, but he still is a fiery personality. I think a lot of the free agents they brought in are definitely like that too, and definitely Scherzer is a fiery personality. And you're right; he probably didn't have a lot to do with it because Showalter was probably Showalter was being looked at by the Mets. Before Scherzer was even brought in, it was mainly it was mainly whether he was going to go to the Mets or the Padres was the main dilemma. And the Padres got Bob Melvin. So, yeah, I don't think I don't believe that for a second. But, yes, definitely a hire that gives some accountability. How about you, Tyler? I mean, I know you like Buck. Uh, Buck was a highly profiled name that was coming out. I think it was the safest move for the New York Mets out of all the names that were popping up. Uh, What were your thoughts when you heard after I sent you the breaking news that Buck Showalter was the next uh, manager of the New York Mets? I think I think he had to be the guy. He he had to. Mets fans, the Mets would have gambled on the bench coach from Tampa, or God forbid, Brad Ausmus, or oh god, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of who the other guy was. It was the Astros bench coach Espada. Okay, the other so one, which would have been a gamble too, because right, they already had exactly. to deal with Beltron and all that. If stuff. If you would have gambled on somebody and lost, or the Mets have a bad year. Everyone would have pointed and said, this is the same old Mets, bah, 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 bah. You brought in the guy. You brought in a guy that's going to have more than his fair share of leeway. You don't have to worry about him making stupid decisions or not having a pulse on the team or the team not listening or responding to him. The Mets, I think they nailed it. I think they had to be Buck out of the guys they listed. I thought it was going to be Buck. I'm pretty sure I said that the week before it came out. When they announced the finalists, it had to be Buck. So I'm not surprised. And the Oakland A's, I think, as you brought up Melvin, Mark Kotze is going to be a good damn manager in this league. Mark my words. Mark Kotze will figure that out. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to ESPN Cleveland radio show host Matt Fontana here on the Sports Lab. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy the Petey, and uh, the Mothball, yes, Tyler Harrison. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Uh, read all our great stories, uh, all the stuff that we're doing, not only our show, but all the shows that we have on our network. Great, great possibilities on what this network is doing moving forward in the new year. Uh, also, download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio mm. Network. Speedy was telling me we were going to get this guy on. I have watched him. I know him pretty well on what he does in Cleveland and, and what he does with Cleveland sports. We are now talking to ESPN Cleveland radio show host, Matt Fontana. What's going on, Matthew? What's up, guys? How are you? I'm good, man. I mean, we're, we're all good. I mean, Tyler with his backwoods Rangers hat, Speedy with his greasy hair, and then, of course, me with my Yankees hat. Uh, nothing really to brag about with the Yankees so far, but how are you doing right now uh, with your show over there at ESPN Cleveland, and how do you, how do you feel with moving on to a New York sports conversation show. I mean, it, it, it's all good, guys. You know, I'm excited for it. And, yeah, things are good. We're, we're kind of in a weird spot right now with where the Browns are at, what's going on with that. 
the Indians, Block C, the, the name That's change the kind of went over team. well. The Cavs are like the best team in town right now. Nobody really saw that coming anywhere. Uh, I know tonight against the Celtics not going really their way, but uh, if you would have told me at the beginning of this year that the Browns would be like pretty much out of the playoff hunt, the Indians wouldn't – or I'm sorry, the Guardians would not <laughs> have made is. the playoffs, and, and the Cavs would be the, the one hope that we would have to make the playoffs. I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed you. Well, I, I hate the name, by the way, the Guardians. And, and what, what professional sports are doing to the game and changing these names is just ridiculous. I, I, it never mattered for over 50, 60 years. Now all of a sudden everybody wants to change the name because it's racist or uh, it, it's, it's, it's hurting people's feelings. So, mm-hmm. Don't worry. He uh, still likes it more than the Seattle Kraken. No, well, that's, that's for sure. I hate that name, by the way. But the jerseys are starting to grow on me. I, I, no, I like the jerseys. I, I think the jerseys are really, really nice. But, Matt, why don't we get into some Cleveland sports? And you were talking about the Cleveland Browns. And, and football, obviously, is a very popular thing here in New York, uh, even though our team stink. Uh, but Cleveland, been there. we've been there. We've yeah, been there. That's yeah. right. We might be going back there. I don't know. I, we might have been just the one year to make the playoffs, and we'll be right back. I'm not really sure yet. We'll see. I'm sure. Have but, faith. Uh, yeah. Cleveland right now, uh, going into the season, a lot of people were very excited about this team, how talented they were uh, with the running back core that they have with Hunt and and obviously uh, Chubb, and then uh, obviously the wide receivers with Odell Beckham, who's now playing for the Rams, and, and Landry can't stay healthy, and then even the tight ends that they had, the weapons that they had, and even the acquisition from the offensive linemen that they've brought in over the last two years, you would think that they were going to be a top team with Miles Garrett running their defense. But it's, it's completely fallen apart this year. And, and, and one of the big names that a lot of people are blaming over there in Cleveland is Baker Mayfield. Now, Baker has been playing with a hurt shoulder. I don't blame Baker for everything, especially uh, being at the pressure. And it's been really sinking on his mind that the team doesn't want him there anymore. The fans don't want him there. I don't believe that. So what are your thoughts with Baker Mayfield? Obviously, not having the year that everybody thought he was going to have. And I think he's been very, very tough playing it out with his shoulder problem. Yeah, and even beyond the shoulder. So obviously, he was injured week two, and then it got hurt again when JJ Watt, you know, sandwiched him. Uh, I think that was week seven. But then he's had knee injury. He has a heel injury. I mean, it, it just seems to be mounting up. He's already missed. You know, he's missed last week being on the COVID list. He missed the Denver game on the short week uh, after that Cardinals game when he got injured again. And I think the biggest thing is, guys, as I tell people, the issue is it's still a question. Like the question of do the Browns have a franchise quarterback? The fact that we can unequivocally say we, we can't say yes for sure. You know, in, in Buffalo, you say that with Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, for sure. And in Baltimore, you know, it's Justin Herbert with the Chargers. And are those guys, you know, even Lamar, right? He's not had a year up to his pace. He's, you know, had injuries, but there is no question. I think that's the frustrating part is that it's still a question that you can't answer either either side. And you know, the Cleveland fan base, it's people are pretty polarized on it. A lot of people think he is the guy. Other people think uh, he's not the guy for one reason or another. So I, it's so tough when you look at it because you want to say, oh, the numbers aren't there. The production's not there. He needs so many things to go right for him to be successful. But it is the injury factor. You're not really sure what it is. And this is kind of his career, right? Rookie year lit things up. Year two with Freddie Kitchens was not good. Last year with Kevin Stefanski was very good. And this year it's trending towards a subpar year. And so you can't even get the gauge on his career. And and you don't have a quarterback, you're not going anywhere. You're just talking about the New York teams, you pretty much know. You don't have a quarterback, you're not going anywhere. And the Browns thought they really even the fan base really thought we found the guy. I still have faith. I still have belief. Do I need him to be a top five quarterback? No, 
I, I need him to be a top 10 quarterback, though. I can't have him middle to, you know, second half of the pack there, which is kind of where he's at right now. Just when you look at the stats, you, know, you talked about all the players they brought in, the, the offense that's built. If it needs to be like this perfect offense, this would be it. Talked about a great offensive line and a good run game. I don't need Patrick Mahomes in this offense. Mm. I need a guy like Baker Mayfield. Uh, win healthy but again we haven't really seen that and that's where this stretched here he said to us last week or not last week but the week prior to that when he played um he said that that's the healthiest he's been since week two so uh there's a chance coming off the covid list here that we can see some good play down the stretch it's amazing with how many bad quarterbacks you guys have had the, all, all the browns fans are turning on baker this quickly uh, so my question is with him having the contract year now coming up for him uh, being that he was, uh, this is his fourth year in the league. He's got the fifth year option still, but mm-hmm. between between the injury that he had and uh, delaying the surgery until in the off season, and then playing through it for a while now, obviously he's not been. But what would you do if you were in the Browns front office? If you were Andrew Barry, would you pay him the money that he wants? What you think is reasonable for that kind of quarterback contracts? Because quarterback contracts are rising. And are you surprised that Baker Mayfield played through this, uh, the pain as much as he has so far? I'm not. That's, that's one thing that he likes, you know, or not likes, he doesn't like to be hurt, but he's a, you know, he, he fights through it. He's a grinder. He's a chip on the shoulder kind of guy. And he knows he's got a lot of money to be made out there and going out there. I don't think it's hurt or helped the situation. If I'm Andrew Barry, the Browns GM, and probably Baker would, would probably want this too. I, this year's a wash. There's really nothing we could tell for it. Let's get to the off season. We don't want to insult you by giving you a low ball offer. Let's play it out on the fifth year option. You start playing extremely well. Well, maybe we'll have contract discussions midway through the year. If you don't, not a problem. We'll franchise tag you if we can't figure something out. But I truly, really do believe that once the conversation starts that I think Baker wants to be here and the Browns just want him to prove to them that he's going to be worth that 40. I know 40 is like a lofty number right now, but when that salary cap jumps the next couple of years, it's going to keep resetting that market. So I think if I'm even, even if I'm Baker, your value is not very good right now. So let's just get this year out of the way. Let's get to the off season. Let's get fully healthy. Let's get into next year and we'll see where it takes us from there, knowing that you have franchise tag options. And again, I really do think you have a quarterback that, you know, would listen to it. There are some reports that they, you know, maybe had discussions about things this offseason. It didn't really kind of, you know, formulate with anything. But if I'm them, I say let's just watch this season and, and we'll talk about it after or talk about it after next year. Mr. Fontana, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm good. So a couple Fantastic. names I'm just gonna throw you to be this is a very dull conversation so far. Joe Batinho, Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett, Wyatt Teller, and Denzel Ward uh, all going to the Pro Bowl. So, Miles Talks, yeah. Shalom. So, what did I say? All-star? Anyway, Pro, Pro Bowl, Bowl. All-star. Pro same Bowl, thing. same crap. Yeah, same Thank thing. you. So, another guy in Cleveland that uh, he's kind of been rumored to be in, be out. I don't know why you guys want to get rid of Baker. I think that's crazy talk. But sure. another guy in Cleveland that seems to always He's be, in love with Baker, by the way. I, I, I thought Baker's a stud, and he's a good guy. Yeah. Tough as nails, too. He's a good guy. He's, he's a fantastic guy, and that's I think that's why a lot of fans like him because he's very much like Cleveland. He's out in the community. Exactly. People like him. He's got a swag to him, too, and that's something he, you guys talked about that right. list of quarterbacks. We didn't have many that had much swag. Not at all. Not at all because they wanted to run out of there fast as you could say Cleveland. But anyway, another guy in Cleveland that's always rumored to be on the way out or being talked about is Kevin Love who obviously right now has had a huge resurgence this season as 
How do kind we of, go from football to basketball like it's that? It's all in and Cleveland. Kevin, do you ever see some of Kevin Love's passes, though, on the basketball court? They're very football-esque. He should. He should be a tight end. <laughs> he could be the yeah, quarterback for the Browns. Yeah. I doubt that. Certainly LeBron James couldn't do it. But, hey, that's, that's neither here nor do there. Do not get into this I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Do not. So, obviously, the Cavs right now are playing insanely well. But also, there will be, I believe, a lot of calls from teams that will be a higher seed than the Cavs looking to add a Kevin Love. Where do you think Kevin Love ends this season? Is he going to end it in Cleveland, or do you think he'll be traded before the deadline ends? Kevin Love went from being untradeable because of his contract and how bad you know he was injured not playing to I think he's untradeable because he's actually a key piece to this team again. Huge piece. And and I never I would have never thought in a million years that I would say that Kevin Love is a contributing player on a good Cavaliers team. I never thought that that would happen again, yet here we are. Is he worth $30 million a year coming off the bench? No, but at least he's kind of getting closer to that. There was a time he wasn't worth $5 million coming off the bench, but now, I mean, he's getting closer. And I think with this, with such a young team, with such a young you know core of players, he brings that veteran stability. I, I do see that re, like I see a re-energized Kevin Love. I think being around these young guys uh, has kind of got him going and, and really the injuries too. You know, that was the thing. Injuries pretty much derailed his year last year. The team USA debacle was not a good one to, to see when he showed up and he basically got accused of lying to them that he was in shape when he really wasn't. But I think he's back in a good place. I think he's accepted his role too. A lot of maybe veteran guys would say, get me the hell out of here. I could go join another team. I've got other friends that would sign me, you know, buy me out and get out of here. But he's actually embraced the bench role that he has. And, uh, and, and he's flirt- and again, flourishing. I think for the best that you can get out of Kevin Love, he's playing meaningful minutes off the bench and he's really given a good veteran leadership uh, position there for JB Bickerstaff. So I think he stays in Cleveland. I, don't, I really don't see them moving. I see that I do see the Cavs making a move to to get a wing. You know, I know Cam Reddish has been talked about before. Buddy Heald has been brought up on our show before as a potential option. Um, they have enough assets with draft picks, and they have you know a couple other players with contracts that they can move. Uh, I see them being the asset acquisition mode for this team um, come Terry deadline. So, and I don't, I, I really do see Kevin Love finishing out here. We are talking to ESPN Cleveland radio show host Matt Fontana. And Matt, I don't know why he went from basketball. We were we weren't even finished with football, but that's fine. No, it's all good. That's fine. Uh, my my question to you is: Right now, Cleveland is fighting for a playoff spot, and mm-hmm. and to me, when you look at the AFC, it, it could go either way. Just like the NFC, I mean, it's very top heavy, and we 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 look at the NFC teams. A lot of people would say uh, it's it's a no brainer. Who are who are the top t- top four teams in the NFC? Is with the AFC. We don't know who the top four teams in the NFC. A lot of people are saying Kansas City because they're playing great football, and now uh, they went from really dead in the water in the middle of a season where they were last at one point in their division. Now all of a sudden they're in first place. They're ten and four. They've won like five games in a row, seven, seven games in a row, and, and they're playing good football. And it's not because of the quarterback. It's really other things that's been very impressive with Kansas City. So you look at Cleveland right now, and we were just talking about Baker Mayfield. The one thing that's really stood out to me about this Cleveland uh, Browns team is their defense. And yep. Miles Garrett, to me, 
Uh, you can argue every single year he's defensive player of the year. And uh, I know a lot of people put, you know, obviously Parsons, he's done very well with Cleveland. T.J. Watt's a beast right now. I thought he was robbed last year. I thought T.J. was the defensive player of the year. He was robbed. No, he won last year. Xavier Howard was robbed. Uh, uh, you oh, uh, you, TJ, thought, you TJ, thought Xavier Howard was robbed. Well, I, I, I still think T.J. Watt is the, the best defensive player in the league. And and he's I think he's better than his, fa- his father, his brother, J.J. But... Um, what are your thoughts with Miles Garrett? I know uh, a lot of a lot of people in the league uh, didn't like the situation a couple of years ago with uh, Pittsburgh when he took off his helmet and tried to beat uh, the quarterback up with it. Um, off, yeah. it. It definitely really put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth. Uh, mm-hmm. But he then he got this big contract, and he really ever since then he's dominated the league. He's been a beast of a man. Uh, what do you think of, of his growth as a leader on this defense and really who he is as a person on and off the field? Yeah, I mean, I could have told you guys even before that happened that Miles Garrett is is genuinely like one of the nicest people I've ever met. Uh, he's he's really he, he's a very interesting person, like in a good way. He loves dinosaurs. Like I, I as soon as he's done playing. He's going to become a doctor of paleontology and he's going to be out there discovering dinosaur bones. Like it's what he likes. He writes poetry, you know, uh, he, he likes uh, cartoons. He likes comics. Like he's my kind of guy. When that situation happened, uh, it was really interesting. Just that it seemed so out of character, you know, and I, they've obviously moved past it. Like he's spoken to Mason Rudolph. They actually met before, you know, a game to just kind of bury the hatchet. I've always given Mike Tomlin a lot of credit. Uh, for how he handled that uh, situation too, to kind of move past. I think it was a out of the character moment. I mean, to go back to it, it was pretty clear to me that Mason was trying to rip Miles' helmet off, and he was up in his face, and Miles just actually Mason got was the instigator. Just happened to be that Miles actually got the helmet off. But right. to that point, like I hope it's not something people really remember because this guy's going to be good enough. He should be down in Canton one day, uh, getting a Hall of Fame and getting that gold jacket. And I, the sad thing is, I think there will still be people while he's up there that think of that. It happened. You can't take it back. That's how good of a player he is and you know a lot of people went into this year saying with the extra game he had a real chance to go after Michael Strahan's single season sack record that's pretty much out the window he was on pace for a little while um had the four and a half sack game against the Chicago Bears but now he's battling a groin injury uh he's a real big player we're gonna watch for Saturday against the the Packers because he was not at all looking good uh at the end of that Raiders game so we're gonna watch that yeah I mean the player himself he can he can wreck a game I mean he's almost getting to the quarterback every single play I do think there's an element of we talk about teams and, and figuring things out. The Patriots a couple of weeks back and they just demolished the Browns. Part of the reason was Bill Belichick started chipping Miles Garrett all day with a running back and, and just hitting him. And pretty much every week since, I think people really found the book. They go, that's what you got to do. I mean, it's easy to say you can't usually you can't block him one on one. You know, there's a lot of usually double, you know, the running backs over there, the tight end to double team miles. And that was supposed to be the addition of Jadavian Clowney to kind of loosen that up. Well, you know, Clowney missed the last game with COVID. He's had a real re- nice resurgence for the Browns this season, certainly. But I think, again, th- there might be a little bit of a book out there on Miles, but I still would never count him out. I think every single year while he's in his prime, which he is in his prime right now, he should be the favorite, one of the favorites to win the defensive player of the year because that's just how good he is. He's got everything. Uh, he makes so so tough. People talk about his bend, how fast he is. If you're talking about like a factory to like, build a pass rusher and defensive end, I'm pretty sure Miles Garrett uh, would be what comes out the other side. 
So going back to the Cavs, obviously they're number four in the East right now. One of the mo- biggest surprises of the year and a great uh, young progressing team. Uh, mm-hmm. So you mentioned a couple of trade deadline acquisitions. Do you, or if, if you're the Cavs, do you go heavy at the trade deadline? Do you maybe go for one player, like you were saying, about a heel or something like that? And also, what do you think their ceiling is for this year, especially now losing Colin Sexton for the season as well a couple of weeks ago? Uh, what do you think their ceiling is for the whole season and – also, in the future outlook, what do you think? Are they going to be consistently this good? Do you think they this is a one-year type thing and then they'll fall off a little next year? What do you think is the status quo for the Cavs? Yeah, I think they're going to be good. I mean, I see the nucleus, right? It's Darius Garland, it's Jared Allen, and it's Evan Mobley. Darius Garland's in his third year. Evan Mobley's still a rookie, and they just signed Jared Allen to a nice extension. Colin Sexton's kind of like Baker Mayfield, but for the Cavs. People, there's some people that say, oh, he's not the guy, and, and it's actually – He's not a part of this future. Other people say you're insane. There's no way. And it's really unfortunate that he got hurt because I wanted to answer that question this year. I wanted to see what he would look like with this mesh of this team. And, it, you know, it, it sucks that he's out. Um, as far as the trade deadline, I think it's really just one player because they have a nice rotation right now. Um, you know, they still have, you know, you know, another young guy that's only going into his second year in Isaac Okoro that's starting to, he was really starting to come along. So really they're starting five right now, I think is really solid. They traded Larry Nance for Lowry Markin, and he's turned out to be a, a, an upgrade there. And I love Junior. He's a Cleveland guy. We love him. But Markkinen's played really, really well. So as far as getting too many pieces to kind of disrupt what J.B. Bickerstaff is doing, I don't think this is like a Cavs team of the past, mostly with LeBron, where you saw a three, four team – or I'm sorry, three or four player type swing. I don't think that's where they're at. I think they can target may, one, maybe two players because this team's pretty much – You have your starting five. You've got Ricky Rubio to run the second team. Uh, You have Kevin Love on that second team. Uh, You've got some players that can fit in. So I I would say probably one player would be it. And I do think they have a bright future. Uh, Evan Mobley seems to be uh, the superstar that we had all hoped in Cleveland. Rookie of the year. I think he's going to be. Yeah. And and really there was that NBA ESPN did the, did a poll before the season of NBA executives and Mobley was not the pick to win rookie of the year but he was voted as the player in five years that will be the best. And that's almost like even better. Those guys on ESPN don't know nothing, okay? If they don't think Evan Mobley has been the best, I believe, rookie, I understand that, but – that doesn't mean that they're always right. No, nope, because they're, he works for they them. are mostly wrong. But Who cares? Who cares if he works for them? He works. He does his show. I I just think they're idiots because Evan Mobley to me is is by far the best player in that draft so far. And yes, well, to be fair, this was before the season. This yeah. was before the season even started. So I, but I'm with you. I mean, like you know, again, we in Cleveland, we were really hyped up for Cade Cunningham, mm-hmm. you know, and Suggs and and kind of how that laid out, but. Guys, 10 games in, I was like, you know what? Evan Mobley is the best player in this draft, and it worked out really well. It's not a shot at any of the other guys or the Rockets or the Pistons for the moves that they made. Those were the right picks. I get it. But that's where a lot of people with the Cavs – we actually even had this going up to – to, to draft night when we got three, everyone was like, oh, should we trade back or this? And I was like, no. I was like, no, 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 no. I go, just stay there. You take Evan Mobley. Even if he turns out to be a bust, this is the right move, and he's – this at this point it is extremely far from that, and I expect him to only get better when he adds a little bit of good weight, and when he continues to develop that post game. People are making the Kevin Durant, you know, comparisons because he's got that length. He does have an outside game to him. Um, I'm really excited to see you know his development. Reminds me of Brandon Ingram. That's who he reminds me of. I yeah. think he's a he he. And Brandon Ingram's turning into a good player. I I think he that's who he reminds me of. 
Yeah, and that's what you need in today's NBA. I mean, you really, I mean, we had Andre Drummond was here, you know, with the Cavs, and they tried, you know, that true center, and that's really not it. What the Cavs have established with Jared Allen, who's a seven-footer in the middle, Mobley 6'11", Lowry Markin 6'11", and all three of those guys are starting. But the biggest thing with Allen and Mobley, they're athletic, they move, and they can still defend the paint, and they can still block shots and make things so tough. Jared Allen doesn't have the outside game that Evan Mobley does, and that's fine because the Cavs lead the league, or at least the last time I checked last week, they lead the league in dunks. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of those are alley-oops from Garland to Jared Allen You know, in the low post. They're almost unstoppable from that point. So the fact of that they have found – really what I think is the key. You know, people want to make the case about wing play, and I get all that. I mean, who wouldn't want a Giannis on their team or or, or Kevin Durant? Or, again, the, with the height, with the athletic ability, with the outside game, that's where the NBA is going, and I think they have that certainly with uh, the lineup they have. So I kind of went out of order on my questions, right? Because now I know they're talking basketball, and he's going to get mad at me again because we're going right back around here. Doesn't matter. you got to keep me on my toes, boys. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a hockey team you can claim over there, but. You know, I'm a big Blue Jackets fan. There's we do have the my, we have the AHL team in Cleveland. The Cleveland Monsters are the AHL affiliate. Of what the Blue a terrible Jackets, name! What the hell is that? It's better than the Monsters. Krakens. I mean, well, give me a break. Well, there there's supposedly a monster in the lake, much like the Loch Ness monster. There's supposedly oh. a, a oh, monster well, in Lake Erie. Well, he's so. the monster of our show, so there you go. <laughs> Someone's. <laughs> do you have a hockey it. team named after you? Or no? I, I, <laughs> buddy, I wish. We'll work if on you, that. If you work had on. his face on a jersey, I'd run. Okay. Uh, I, I like the Kraken's like jersey, like the the sure. picture, but the name is horrible. I, I, that's fair. I, that's fair. I I wanted them to call it the Seattle Grunge because that's where Grunge Rock came from. Sure. I thought that was that would have been better. Uh, yeah. I, the Kraken thing, I, it doesn't make any sense. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Are you done? Yes. Go. Okay. Spit it out. All right. So obviously there's a little bit of turmoil, as you can attest to, in Cleveland this year with a former New York household name, Odell Beckham Jr who is no, obviously, as we pointed out earlier in the show, he's no longer there. He's now in L.A. with Matt Stafford, and it seems like he's being a good soldier over there and kind of finishing out the season nicely. I don't know. He looked horrible yesterday. Well, that's because he just came off the COVID list. And he's beat up, but that's fine. What was the actual final straw that broke the camel's back? Was it the relationship? Because I read that him and Baker were very close, and Baker was actually blindsided by all this. What was the final straw for Odell and Cleveland? I think obviously the dad video, you know, he can't be doing that. And and I think even if they had a good relationship, um, that's a good way to ruin it. To have somebody else start posting videos or even just do your bidding for you. Um, you know, the Odell saga in, in Cleveland is, is such an interesting and fascinating one. Because I remember the night that we got the news that he got traded. Yeah, you know, we're running back down to the stu- sta- uh, you know, studio on the station to get back on the air to talk about it. I mean, it was massive. It was huge. Mm-hmm. And... You know, at the time, I had people tell me left and right, oh, he's not going to want to be there. He doesn't like it there. He's not going to get his marketing dollars and all that. And every time we talked to Odell, he said, that's not it. He goes, if we win, if we can do these things, uh, uh, you know, I'll be as happy as anything. Uh, He played his entire first year battling a core injury, a sports hernia injury. Year two, he plays, I think it was seven or eight games, tears his ACL, he's out, and then the offense took off without him. Comes back this year, and it just didn't seem like there was that fit. You know, somebody actually, you guys mentioned him going to L.A. Uh, I just saw a graphic uh, just the other day about his time in Cleveland versus time in L.A. They're actually comparable at this point. <laughs> and his yards and receptions are pretty close. He has a couple more touchdowns, and the team record is pretty much the same. The Browns were 3-3 three and three with him, and the Rams are 3-2 and two, um, with him. So, you know, 
I kind of just chalk it up to that. I, I really don't know if he ever wanted to be here. He gave it a try. One of his very good friends from LSU, Jarvis Landry's on this team. I, I you know, that relationship probably helped things, but I, I really sit here today. And I think a lot of Browns fans too, same. We tried, we appreciate your effort. We, I really do wish him the best of luck. I do. I've got nothing against the guy. Move on. That's fine. And if it can help the Browns in, in any way, uh, I'm fine with it. What I call it failed. I mean, not necessarily. The Giants got, you know, Jabril Peppers and Kevin Zeitler, and then they used that draft pick on Dexter Lawrence, who's a nice player. You know, we get Olivier Vernon, who had a, a pretty solid year for for the Browns before he's, he tore his Achilles two years ago. But um, I just kind of look at it and say, hey, I don't know if anybody really won that trade. And if L.A. was always his destination, then I'm happy for him. I really am. If that's where he wants to be, then then the best of luck. We are talking to ESPN Cleveland radio show host Matt Fontana. And by the way, I, I think everywhere he's gone, he's been a cancer. I, I, I like him. I think he's very talented, one of the most talented players we've ever seen come out of the draft. And, and a lot of Giant fans didn't like him when he was drafted uh, because his fools. first – the first four games, he was hurt. He was injured. He couldn't stay healthy. The problem with him yeah. is he, he's not a healthy type of player. And, and when you don't have a healthy player, he doesn't play enough to get the money that he wanted. And by the way, they, they gave him uh, – they redid his contract when he came to Cleveland, gave him a lot more. And, and to me, he was a complete bust in my eyes. I think he, he was a bust for Cleveland because you yeah. expect a guy to win, and, and he yeah. didn't win. Yeah, and I also think there's an element of, you know, when he was in New York, it was his offense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Eli Manning, and he could find a way to get him the football. And, um, you know, you come here where it's it's a run-first offense. Like, that's it. When you have Nick Chubb and Cream on the offensive line, you do, you're going to run the ball first. Um, there were people that were questioning if Baker was the right quarterback to fit, you know, Odell's needs. And then um, just really kind of his fit. And those are all questions that I would look, you know, cause again, you know, Dell had a tumultuous time here. He was with Freddie kitchens in his first year. And I don't really think anybody on the offense had a, had a good year in that year. And then they come back with Kevin Stefanski. And I do think they were starting to get some things figured out and then unfortunately gets hurt. And then, you know, there was a lot of hype around his return this year. And again, maybe he just wasn't a fitness offense. And, and hopefully again with LA and it was kind of funny cause when he left, um, John Johnson, who was a safety that came over from the Rams, we asked him, you know, like, hey, man, you know, you're, you're from L.A. What do you think about Odell going there? And he kind of questioned. He goes, that offense runs through Cooper Cup. Like, that entire offense is all about Cooper Cup. I'm kind of wondering why he would go there again to not be the guy. Um, but again, if he's happier being in LA and he's more accepting of that role there, then it just wasn't it just wasn't meant to be here in Cleveland. Yeah, he wants to be a superstar, and that's what what he always likes to be. He likes to be the center of attention. So. I, I I get that, but I also wonder like how much he's got left in the tank. You guys mm-hmm. talked about the injuries. They, he's been injured pretty much every season. I think the last six years, mm-hmm. five six seasons, he's had at least something. Uh, actually, until this year, he's actually been healthy this year, coming off uh, the ACL, but. Uh, he's also, you know, he's not in his mid twenties anymore. So I, I wonder how much maybe he has left in the tank. So why don't we get into some baseball? Because Cleveland, the Guardians now, Guardians, it's yeah. it's no longer the Indians for some reason. Everybody was so hurt with the name. I don't understand it, but that's just me. Um, the Cleveland Guardians uh, going into the season. Obviously, Terry Francona is not there anymore. Francisco Lindor is not there anymore. This team is completely transitioned to uh, a World Series type of team, a championship type of team. They have some pitching. Obviously, we know about Mr. Bieber over there. Uh, Justin Bieber's uh, long lost brother. The better of the two Biebers. Yes. Yeah, but, I would uh, agree with that. I yeah, agree with that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so. Um, obviously going into this season, I mean, Francisco Lindor is now in New York did, uh, and obviously 
it worked out for them because they didn't have to pay him, and he doesn't look like he's the same player with Cleveland. What are your thoughts to this team moving forward, going into the new season with this whole lockout situation? Is this team, and supposedly their farm system is pretty good. They have some good mm-hmm. players coming out, of, uh, coming up very, very soon. Where is this team at now? I mean, they're still going to be what they've been, pitching dominant. And last year, you know, you talked about Shane Bieber who got hurt. Then Aaron Savali got hurt. Zach Plesak missed time. So your top three starters. Uh, guys, there, there was a point in the year where of their five, you know, starters, four of them, I, I believe the stat was four of them didn't make the club coming out of spring training. You know, that's how beat up that they got. And then they, you know, they had to turn to some younger guys and Tristan McKenzie, you know, Cal Quantrill had a really nice year as a starter, actually, and has kind of penciled himself in as a guy that started in the bullpen. Then they stretched him out to start and he actually finished the year, you know, pretty solid. So back into the bullpen, Emmanuel Classe, you know, the flamethrower is still going to be one of the better closers in the league. So they're going to go with their pitching as always. You know, the lineup is is the biggest question. You still have Jose Ramirez as a perennial MVP candidate every single year. Um, but you have giant questions around the outfield as you have. There's names, there's bodies, there's people that you think, okay, they're there, but you just don't really know what you have. And the biggest thing is a lot of the trades that they have made. You talked about Lindor going back to the Mike Clevenger deal. They have people that they brought in in those trades and they should be. The whole point of them being here was to be starters back on this team. They have a level of of talented guys in the farm system that some feel like might be ready this year. Others might think that they're about a year away um, from coming up and getting going. But there is a little bit of a renewed sense of optimism. There's a report out that the Dolans who own the, the, the Guardians, that they're going to sell a minority stake to David Blitzer. And that's been the biggest thing. People, they don't spend. Guardians fans, they're just at the Dolan's throats about how much money they don't spend or they do spend. Uh, They have perennially one of the lowest payrolls uh, in baseball, at least the last couple of years they have been. And people are sick of that. So they're hoping that with an influx of money, uh, with with this minority owner taking over whenever that happens, that they might be able to invest a little bit in a corner outfielder. On the infield, you're you're pretty set there with your names, at least who they're going to start with and go, but it seems like the the Indians and Guardians, they, they've they always needed an out. I don't know why. Something about corner outfield, we've needed one of those for like the last six years, really since Michael Brantley yeah. left. Uh, and it's the left field there. So, and Terry Francona, he's not completely gone yet. There's a chance, it, there's reports that he might come back. He's kind of feeling out his health on how he goes. He obviously didn't finish the season out. To have some optimism that he might return, he's arguably the biggest key to, to this franchise. Certainly the turnaround that they've had the last seven, eight years since he got back on the scene, that World Series run, uh, Terry's been the, the biggest reason for that. So we'll see if he returns. There is a question there, though. Uh, before I get to my question, uh, Ben, wishing you all the best with your surgery, too. I just saw that in the comments section. Yes. Um, so my question is with Jose Ramirez and also Shane Bieber, both of them have been floated in a lot of trade rumors. Ramirez, especially with the year he had this year, wasn't going to win MVP, obviously, but was, I think, one of the top five in the MVP votes. And then Shane Bieber won the Cy Young in, t- in 2020. Ramirez was the finalist then in 2020. So do you think the Indians will end up making trades? And also, or the Guardians will end up making making those kinds of trades. Do you think they're going to maybe try to sell uh, sell high on that kind of thing? And also, if you were to do that, would would you make that kind of move? Because we've seen the Indians fall, uh, sell short a lot of the times in trades with their front office. You were mentioning a lot of the fans being frustrated with their ownership and their their front office too. So, do you? Uh, they're not the only fan base frustrated with a Dolan. Oh sure, yeah, they're right. That's it. They're, they're, their cousins are yeah uh, can get after it there a little bit. But, but uh, I always I always thought of the Indians Indians front office kind of like uh, the the kind of like the Wilpon Mets where they kind of they're, they're cheap they make bad trades a lot of the time so what do you think they should get back for them and what kind of mo- do you think they'll end up trading them 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest question is going to be this new CBA. Whenever this gets done with baseball, people are screaming for a salary floor. As a Guardians fan, I want nothing more. And it, it, all it has to be is $100 million. Like, that's not anything crazy when teams are spending $300 million. Spend a third of that, you know, get to it. And if that happens, I would have optimism that they would be able to sign Shane Bieber uh, or, or Jose Ramirez to another extension. So now they did sign Jose to an extension a couple years back, and he has, like, astronomically outplayed that. I mean, he's on, like, one of the, the most insane deals um, that you could ever see. But that's got a couple, I think, two more years left on that. So that's coming towards the end of that. Obviously, Shane Bieber's still in art arbitration. Um, which is one of the stupidest things in baseball, in my opinion, too, to talk about things we don't like. But, you know, so I think if the CBA comes out, I do I expect a salary cap or floor? No, I, I, that's just that's too big of a mountain to move. Um, so really, my hope is going to be in this minority owner that's going to buy in. There's reports that there is a plan for David Blitzer, the, again, reportedly going to take over minority share, that there's a path for him to eventually take over the entire team. And maybe he could bring a little bit more cash in to get it done. Um, so it, it's kind of like Lindor. I sit here today probably knowing the inevitable that those guys will be traded. I want to sit here and tell myself that there's still a chance um, that they could get something. But it, it, again, it might take that salary floor in baseball. It's going to take maybe a new owner to get it done. Um, yeah, never say never. But uh, I think especially with this team, they're going to, they've been right on with all the trades that they have made. I mean, say what you want, maybe about them being cheap and all that. But Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff, the president and, and the GM, uh, they've pulled off some pretty impressive trades uh, over the last couple of years. And I've always said this, I go, if baseball had a salary cap, the Indians would have won two World Series uh, in the last decade because that's how good they've been with talent acquisition and uh, and making trades. The problem is they just can't hold on to everybody. Mike's a nice guy, by the way. Mike Chernoff. Uh, Chernoff Great guy. Very, yeah. very nice guy. I know his father, who uh, is now retired from WFAN. Uh, Mark, uh, very, very nice guy. Grew up here on the island. Grew up a Met fan. A lot of people thought he was going to leave the Cleveland Indians and go to the Mets and take over the Mets. That wasn't going to happen because there was no way in hell Cleveland was just going to say, hey, by the way, you can have uh, Mike Chernoff. He's there for the taking. That wasn't going to happen. But uh, I think uh, what they have done has been absolutely sensational. It's hard when you trade corner pieces of your franchise. And it's tough because the fans, all they see is a superstar you know, again, like Francisco Lindor, like Mike Clevenger, like Trevor Bauer, you know, you see them leave and and you see a list of names that come back and you get so angry. You're like, well, what's this guy? Wait, what the, who the hell is this? Why do we trade this guy for this? You know, a prime example, when they traded Corey Kluber and two-time Cy Young winner, I, I, one of the best, going to go down as one of the best pitchers in, in franchise history, they traded him away for some guy named Emmanuel Classe. Since then, Kluber's pretty much been hurt and not been the same. I know he obviously threw a no-hitter last year, but still uh, not quite the same guy. Class A is arguably one of the best young closers in the game. So that they're they're on that they're they're on that wave of of again, you're gonna be mad at us now, but in a couple of years, these are gonna be names of players that are actually you know, impacting our team and getting it done. You know, they gotta play the long game, unfortunately. They have to be able to keep these one of the biggest buzzwords when we talk to Chris Antonetti is, is controllable. You know, they have to have young controllable players and you do that for trading guys that are arbitration or pre-arbitration, you know, for star players. So the guardians obviously have a huge history of having plethora of hall of fame slash perennial all-stars who have been in and out of their team. Uh, 
you named a few of them just now. And then you go back even further, you got Jim Tomei, Manny Ramirez started there, etc., etc. Obviously, I was going to call them the Indians. The Guardians are on this hinge of, do we rebuild again, or are we going to, as you say, pour the cash down the throat and bring in some stars? Ramirez and Shane Bieber are going to be the two guys that obviously get sacrificed if they're going to go the other way. But on the pipeline, who can Cleveland fans look at and go, all right, when this kid comes up, we can have faith that this kid's going to be a perennial all-star down the line. Yeah, there's a couple of names. There's a young guy named Tyler Freeman that a lot of people are pretty excited to see when he comes up as a, as you know, kind of position wise, he's an infielder. They might move him around. There's, there's talks about him kind of heading out to the outfield. Um, there's a couple other, you know, like low a players too, that it's kind of tough because they're, they're still probably three or four years away. Uh, but when you look at the MLB, you know, top 100, there are some guys that you can look at and, you know, they, they tried this last year. They brought up some guys like Owen Miller and, uh, Ernie Clement and people, I think maybe got like a rough opinion of them because they just, they didn't really perform that well, but they got brought up midway through the year at half a season, but the Indians in the organization, you know, we're pretty high on them. So again, we'll see on that one that he started out the year really well. I didn't quite finish it out. And he's going to be our starting first baseman next year is Bobby Bradley. Uh, that guy was mashing down in the minor leagues. He got his first full real taste of, of starting, uh, you know, last season uh, after taking over. I took over about a month or two into the season, but still, you know, he's still a younger guy out there. Um, that they have excitement for. So there's some names too, you know, even with the pitching staff too, there, there's still a couple, but knowing that, you know, your starting rotation, in my opinion, is all pretty much butt set, you know, as they get ready to, to begin the year. But, you know, the Indians, they, they find pitchers and develop the hell out of them. So there's always going to be a couple, of, you know, in that high ranking for them too. Matt, we really appreciate you joining us. You're awesome. I, everything that we got into when it came to football, basketball, and, and obviously baseball with the Guardians, worst name in baseball, by the way. Um, it's you, not worse than the spiders, though. I didn't want the spiders uh, sure. or the blues. Or no, that's true. Right? I, I I said it was uh, you know the Guardians. It, I, I'm going to give it time to grow on me because remember I said it was the best option. Remember I'm the sorry? owl movie, The Guardians. Remember that the owl. I movie? can't see. I've seen that. Oh, no, you got to check that out because uh, yeah. that's what pops into my head when it comes to the Guardians. They're like fair enough owls that uh, you know protect the world or protect you know the human the human kind. It's pretty funny actually, but. Um, I still, I still would have rather made uh, the genius marketing idea of having <laughs> of having Groot as your mascot. <laughs> I mean, as long as the Guardians change their logo, I don't know if you guys have seen that G oh, logo it, with the baseball. It's the weirdest looking thing. Yeah. As long as they change that, I've I've grown on the name. The name was actually my pick, probably the word, you know, like the lesser of all the other evils. So the name's all right. They just got to if they change the logo, I'm all in. I'm, I'm fine with that as long as they change the logo. <laughs> I don't I think like, there's anything wrong with it. I like the C, okay? That, that's perfect. Yeah, block C, no wrong with that. That's fine. I would, I would have voted for with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and also they could have gotten the marketing with the energy drink, the amps. <laughs> See, I am so over the Rock Hall stuff because, oh, okay. like, when the All-Star game was here, they used the guitar. Like, the NBA All-Star game's coming here. Like, I get we got the Rock. And, and it's tough because Cleveland's not really known for much other than, you know, the river catching on fire and the – uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So they don't have much to really go off of, but I'm happy they didn't go anything with 
you know, the, the rock hall and all that kind of, so I, that in a way I'm happy that they stuck, they stayed away from that. I've been there. It's pretty cool. Actually. The rock hall. Oh, the rock hall is fantastic. And then I went yeah, to actually went to, I actually went to progressive field. I went to the later that day and I actually got to bet the, uh, the guy that does the, the drum in the, in left field. John they, Adams. Yeah. yeah. No, he's, Cause he's we, had, we, we were in the left field bleachers. Very, very good yep. affordable seats. So we were in the left field beach. <laughs> That's the name of the game and with then, the guardians. They I think they were losing pretty big. Seats, they were playing yeah. against the Red Sox. They were losing pretty big. So a lot of people were leaving. So we, we just kept walking around at that point. And I got to beat him. It was actually, he was actually a pretty cool guy. Cool he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, no, he's fantastic. But uh, we really appreciate you joining us. We'd love to get you on again. Uh, Speedy will reach out to you. You're awesome. Good luck with what you're doing over there in Cleveland with ESPN. Uh, I think you're fabulous. I actually checked out your show. Uh, it's funny because uh, a couple of months ago, I popped on some Cleveland sports on ESPN. And there you were. I was listening to your show. And I was like, wow, this is a pretty good show. And it, it was you. funny, too. Um, and, and, you get, and you guys get good guests. So um, it's definitely a great show if the fans haven't checked it out. Uh, Matt Fontana. Thank you, Matt, for joining us. Anytime, guys. I really appreciate it. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Uh, just follow me at Matt Fontana 83 and then uh, ECT, the show that I do, is 5 to 7 Eastern. Uh, you can get on the ESPN app uh, and all over the place. As you guys know, we were just talking to ESPN Cleveland radio show host Matt Fontana. Awesome. Awesome guy. Uh, it, what, what I love about a lot of these ESPN guys is they're, they're so in-depth with their teams. They love their teams. And, and Matt really gave us really in-depth where the Cleveland, where Cleveland sports is. I feel like and I live there. It, it's great. It really is. And I, I thought he was fabulous. Great. Great nail, Speedy. It really is. Really, 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 really great guess. So shout out How many to really? It could be, you want me to say six, seven? Okay. You want me to give you ten? You should give me ten. I don't know about giving you ten, but I'm sure somebody else will give you ten. I don't right, think Speedy? you can give me ten. Speedy, would you give him ten? 10 what? I don't Whatever. know. Would you give him 10? Depends on what it is. Would you give him 10 smacks on the ass? No. Why? Why? Really? Yeah. He, Why? I'm not, being, I'm not being violent towards him. Violent? He just pulls down his pants and he lets you, you know, bare ass him. You know, smack him in the ass. I would need one more shot of Patron. Yes. But you, you could give him, I mean. <laughs> I would like, probably need shots of Patron, too. <laughs> would, Tyler, would you actually engrave his, uh, you know, his hand on your ass as a tattoo? Why would I do that? I don't know. It would be good. So it would be a place for him to just smack you know, you know? I, I've always been dying to ask this question, and now that we're here, I mean, now, why ask not? Ask away, ask away. How come, when it comes to perverted, weird things, mm-hmm. you only dump it on us and you don't take any initiative yourself? I take initiative all the time. Nah. What are you talking about? I, obviously, you don't know me because I hear it all the time. So what are you talking about? Hold on. Speedy, generally, when he yeah. says these things, who are they at? They're at both There's of There's only them. three of us here. Right. Oh. Or they're at Snug. Sometimes Snug comments. Well, well, that, that, well, well, right, right. By the way, what are they saying? What, uh, what are Snug saying? What are any of them oh, saying? Oh, they're just going back and forth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Snug says the Guardian, the worst t- team name in baseball. I'm right. wishing Speedy all the best for his holiday baking. Yes. Uh, my, my By the way, Jeff says Cleveland won't make the playoffs if Errol keeps picking them. By the way. Cleveland should have won that game. They should have won that game. They should have won that game. So, Jeff, you were lucky that Cleveland didn't win that game. Because if they did, uh, I would have won the week. So, the fact that they didn't win the game, you know, listen. They, Derek Carr needed that, too. Yeah, they did. And, and Oakland, Derek Carr really needed that. Uh, Oakland's still in the playoff hunt, as, as well as Cleveland is, too. But I, I really thought after that Chubb touchdown, the game, I, I thought the game was over. 
I thought Cleveland was going to be able to hold that team in the last three, two and a half minutes of the game defensively with Miles Garrett and that defense, the way it was playing, that they were going to be able to hold them off. But they didn't. So don't give me your crap that Cleveland played a terrible game. They had a backup third-string quarterback in Nick Mullins and almost won a game against uh, arguably one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league. So I don't want to hear that crap. Okay, so Jeff you. Also, Jeff also said, Where, where's Gerard? He should run the show. Yeah, good for him. Snug says, maybe Showalter can coach Who's the sure? Islanders in the offseason. Uh, I also miss Lyle's commentary on anything. By the way, Lyle's actually in COVID protocol right now. Yes, he is. By the way, I give a shout out to, yeah. uh, to Lyle. For, uh, Who's you know, Lyle? You don't know Lyle? Wish you a fast recovery, Lyle. Uh, you know, he, he talks a lot about the Islanders. He's an Islander. He was the one who said Barzal was Barzell overrated. Barzal is overrated. Oh, yes. 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 Maybe COVID will be good for his brain cells. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff also no, says, hashtag make Gerard replace Errol. Mm. Sug says, hashtag ban Errol and the Beeve, question mark. Oh. Uh, the, Jeff says, they better keep Baker. You don't want to end up with Cam Newton. The Browns would be a desirable place if that franchise wasn't in Cleveland. What a dump of a town. Oh. Cleveland, uh, yeah, you said that already. Saving Collins over Miles Garrett. Uh, Slug says, is Errol the new mush of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network now that Vinny Rubo slinked back under whatever rock he crawled out from under? Um, mush. I don't know what, what you mean by mush. Jeff says, Guardians is the perfect horrible name for a horrible franchise in a horrible city. The fer- perfect storm of suck. Uh, Speedy <laughs> Snuck says, Speedy makes a great des- guest disaster by the dog. I thought the pre- Especially ass- when it licks his ass. I thought the oh, ass slapping was part go. of the pre-show ritual. All Cleveland had to do was get a Nose first, first down. Nose first, baby. Nose first. All Cleveland Sometimes. had to do was get a first down. They had a chance, and they blew it, and Lyle is hilarious. <laughs> to be honest, though, if you're the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, mm. sorry. Take back one. Yeah. You can't feel good about that. You played a third-string quarterback and won on a last-second luck chuck field goal. I'm not. I'm not too thrilled if I'm uh, Vegas. Well, I, I, but Jeff, to be fair, the NFL screwed you. So what do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff likes to. Jeff likes to sit there and take. Uh, you know. Take compliments because he actually picked Oakland, which most people did. And being that Cleveland had no, I thought Cleveland the, was favored in that game. No, they weren't. No, Oakland was not with all the not, well, with, not with all the injuries. Twenty five oh, well, guys yeah, out well, of that, that, what, But uh, Cleveland should have won that game. So good, good, good taking the favorite. Okay, Jeff, which you but do Ra- a lot. How many did the Raiders miss? Well, I'm sorry. The Raiders, the Raiders got people in COVID. No, they didn't have as many as the 25. Texans. No, were, I know. I know they by the way, the Texans were a favorite uh, going into the Jaguars game. Well, that's not and, saying uh, much. Hold on, hold on. And and the other team that he picked, uh, the Patriots were favorite to win that game as well. And that was the game that really stood out the most. I don't care if you won the other two. That was the thing that made me laugh watching the Patriots go down and get their butts whipped by the Colts. The Colts which, waiting for the first time since 2009. And I knew that was going to happen. By the way, I I knew it was going to happen. Because it was something telling me that there was no way in hell they were going to stop but that. But they did game. win what eight in a row. I mean, the, Patri- the, pa- the Patriots were Seven on fire. Yeah, this, so this has been the year so far. Kind of died out a little bit in the middle of the season. But this, I'll be this honest has been about the year of breaking though. long droughts. I'll be honest about the Patriots' something. schedule was very easy. If you want, you that's know? not true. It, it if is. you want the Patriots to lose, if you're a Patriots fan, you wanted you wanted to lose either this week or next week. Belichick's now going to rip everything open, sew it back up, and you're going to be playoff ready for the next three weeks. Snug says Las Vegas minus 3.5, and the Pats were dogs, actually, at plus 2.5. Yeah. Well, and not for nothing. Uh, they a can lot still of, get home field. Go, first of all, if you watch the game and you watch all the analysts pick, they all pick the Patriots. So I don't want to sit there. Well, I don't care what Vegas said. My MVP was the reason they won. So, I mean, well, lost. Well, 
That's a whole nother story. But um, yeah, anyways, you, usually star players don't go off the way against the Patriots. Usually, it takes a team effort and Taylor had 170 yards. It was a team effort. Yeah, Carson. They Carson laid him had, down. What, Jonathan Taylor ran him over. 57 passing yards in that game. And they still won because of, they still won with Taylor having that. And Taylor was inefficient for a while. Like, they were actually containing him for a little while. Then he started getting going. Once he got it going, he was well, it on a whole other level. Three Pro Bowl offensive linemen. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was a big problem at the beginning of the season, why he was struggling, too. A lot of the offensive linemen were hurt with him. With them healthy, he's definitely back to that level. He started a little slow last year, too, but he got a lot of rookie running backs do that. And now this year, definitely. It's definitely more consistent. Once he, the first month of the season, he's been very consistent outside of the team. V freaking P. I got to make a phone call. I, I'll come right back. It's my Is mother. everything all right? I don't know. So uh, uh, I'll let you guys yeah, finish Snug, up before Snug we also, Snug also agrees with you. Jonathan Taylor looked like an MVP last week. Yeah, it definitely spawns more value. Wait a minute. Hold on. Stop. Yeah. He's leaving the room. Do you know what that means? What? We get to talk about the Rangers without being interrupted. Oh, yeah. Well, the Rangers have barely played, so. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It does not matter. He goes to Storkin, gets to come back. Panarin's healthy again. Oh, thank the Lord's above. This is great. This is great. This is fantastic. <laughs> thank the Lord's above. Thank, thank God. Well, this is, this is a Christmas gift. A this Christmas is an early gift. Christmas gift. A Christmas gift. We get to talk about the Rangers. <laughs> Without the Islanders bozo talking to us left and right. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a, I guess that is the truth. We have, uh, oh, we have oh my. A, a little bit of time until until our guest comes on. Oh. The Rangers have been playing well outside of having to play the Avalanche well, twice. Well, the Avalanche and Calgary are the only games I've found absolutely distasteful this whole season. Oh, yeah. Edmonton, they should have won in regulation. Uh, Vancouver, they should have won in regulation. That's fine. And by the way, Gallant, I don't know how we can pitch this to him. Why don't you play Lafiniere with a purpose? Stop putting him with the fourth line. He's not a fourth line player. He's a top six winner. Play him with other top winners. Jesus Christ! I think How hard is that? Right now, what they're yeah, doing it's over. Is, I think what they're doing right now is they're trying not to mess with what's working because outside the Colorado game, they won pretty much every game besides that. So no, I don't I think understand. they're going to do any drastic changes. With I understand that for, for the time being. I agree, but with he you. does not. I trust think later him. in the season he'll get there. I hope so. I hope so. He's putting up efficient numbers. Shh. Don't say the R word anymore. Don't say the R word. Let him be. <laughs> what? Uh, the R word? The R word. There's not going to be a hockey season for a while, so I don't know why you're talking about him. Because it, it, it could very, it, it very picked, much could happen. Very much could happen when, when, when the season does start again in the new year. Uh, the Rangers completely fall apart. We've seen this before. So. Success. I really hope. Well, the, the last Rangers... time there was a COVID protocol, we made the playoffs, and that's all we really want. Success. I, 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 listen, the Rangers are making the playoffs, so that's no all you really want. Maybe the... win around. Yeah, they maybe. could be. maybe they could. Be. If they play Washington, it's always possible because they yeah. they always. I don't want to play Washington. Anyway. I don't want to play Washington at all. I'd rather play them than Carolina though, because <laughs> Carolina. Mm. Carolina's a tougher out in no, the playoffs. No, absolutely. And a good I, Carolina, Carolina's, I think, one of the most complete teams in the whole NHL. I don't yeah. want to play them at all. I, I, and but they, Washington loves beating the Rangers. So they what have the a, hell is it better? The, the Hurricanes have a good playoff identity. It's kind of like the Islanders are just running into Tampa, and they always lose. The, the, the Hurricanes have the same kind of thing with the Bruins. But they have a deep defense, offensive depth, and... Again, now they have a veteran goal. Say, veteran goal, goal even though I still don't think they should have traded. You don't want to play guy. Pittsburgh. They, they do Pittsburgh. not play very well against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. They Traditionally, never did. but this is this Penguin team is very, very. Thin. You don't want to play Sidney Crosby in the first round, especially you've you've had 
uh, bad terms of events in the playoffs against Sidney Crosby. So and Malkin, Malkin's played well against the Rangers. Now Malkin's a dirtbag. But uh, he, this is his last year with the Penguins. I believe they will trade. Uh, uh, Good. Malkin they might the trade him before the playoffs even no, start. No, I, I think they trade him. No, the they'd have to fall pretty yeah. far out for that to happen. And they're They'll still move in him a in spot, the spot. So, mm. and they, and they're in a good a spot by a pretty good margin right now. In the first, I think it's the first. No, wild they card. are the first wild card. Yeah, spot. yeah, because they had a seven game win streak. I think it was. No, they got hot. Yeah. But... So did you did you hear about that guy uh, from I think was it Colorado that got a hundred and ten years. Uh, with driving a tractor trailer, I'm not. Yeah, sure. the brakes, the yeah, brakes went break, out, and yeah. he killed four people, and they sentenced him the other day, yeah. and he's going, he's going to jail for 110 years, and it was an yep. accident. It he was an control. accident, accident. He his, wasn't drunk, he, he wasn't high, he wasn't. Yeah, the brakes just went out, and and he's going to go to jail for 110 years. What kind of, what kind Did of? Did you jo- hear about what happened after that? No, I. Well, so the prosecutor that got him that 110 life sentence, mm. he. Uh, Took the the brakes from the actual truck are now a uh, prop at his house. Mm. Yeah, and he showed it off on uh, social media that his boy made him a ornament. Oh, how nice! Snack yeah. says, "I really hope the Rangers win the cup this year." After the kids gonna go to jail. Yeah. He's twenty six years old, married. I believe he had two kids. Snug, if you think that annoys me and you think that's gonna piss me off, you have absolutely no idea who I am. So wait, it just what shows did Snug you. Say? Stuck says, I, I really hope the Rangers win the cup this year just to piss Earl off. It's not going to piss me off. They're not winning a cup. I would love that. They're not winning a cup. They're not ready to win a cup. They oh. might go. Hold on. There might be. They might be that dark Cinderella that has a deep playoff run, but they're not winning a cup. I don't cup. know. About, I, I don't they know about won't that. get to the cup. I think one round they could win. They have uh, so many weaknesses still on the defensive side. I don't Carolina is going to They're be phenomenal four on five right. and five on four. They can't play five on five. It's yeah, fucking it's amazing. It is they weird. can't play five on five. <laughs> the Rangers have always been a good shorthanded goal team. Yeah, anyway. they have always. But finally, they actually they have a can't real play power even play. strength. They for can't. The they, time, yeah. For the first they time, they actually have I a real power play. I, I don't understand it. They can't which is score weird, even which is strength. Weird, By the way, if somehow Cleveland slips into the playoffs and they get healthy, watch out for the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Browns because mm-hmm. I think the Cleveland Browns. Yep. Uh, are very dangerous. Absolutely. And if, if they, Baker, if they get if into Baker the can it's throw not the ball. Be Baker. No, no, no. It's I'm just saying. Baker. Baker's got to be able to make throws. If Baker can make throws, I don't, very know, I, I don't know why anybody would think Baker. I know he said Baker's probably going to come back. I don't know why he would. Uh, I would I would put Baker Case wants Keenum. to be there. I, I I understand that, but Case Keenum is is the guy. And by the way, what is this Vincent Case Jackson? What is this? Um, natural causes they said. That's what chronic alcohol hall abuse. Is that what it's? No, it's a matter of natural causes. That's what it said. Okay, because I know there was something that they thought his death was linked to alcohol use too, um, and oh, what? Oh, we're really we are retarded. What did we mention to Marius Thomas? Yeah, yeah, we did. You weren't here. Yeah, um, yeah, the show oh, you weren't oh, there. No. Yeah, that's actually it broke right during our show. Josh actually commented it yeah. at ten forty something during our show. That that's that's tragic. Yeah. I the only reason I just mentioned it was because of the Vincent Jackson thing. Oh, so it says right here. Now I guess I was reading it wrong. Uh, Vincent Jackson died for chronic alcohol use. Medical examiner. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was something alcohol related because that was that was what we initially was in the jo- but hold in the on. diagnosis. And this is why. This but is why a lot, a lot of people think he was diagnosed with uh, stage two of CTE as well. Uh, Jeff, I know you're trying to call. Call back after our guest. We have a guest coming on at ten thirty. And let me just make this point right before the guest comes on. This is why Shaw Marion's onto some money. Because the show... Merriman. What did I say? Mar- Marion. Yeah, it's Merriman. Oh. Merriman. I, I always do that. Sean Merriman. Sean Merriman, Merriman. has money. Merriman. Money. Yeah, Mon- Moneyman is what we should call him. Because that show about retired athletes going to MMA, 
that's going to be so telling. And it's going to be such a deep dive. And everyone probably thinks it's just going to be like the ultimate fighter or whatever. There's going to be We're a lot of heart-wrenching stuff. We're going to get him on my MMA stuff. show because my MMA show is coming back in a couple of weeks in the new year. Oh, just in time for the McGregor fight. Probably. It's it's coming back, and, and we're bringing it back. Uh, so definitely can't Is, wait for uh, that. Is Sensei John coming? John who? No, 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 no. No, he's not He's not going to be a part of the show. He was never a, a lead party. Uh, he was always one. Yeah, he'd come on, and maybe he will. Maybe he will. But we are bringing back the MMA show. Uh, I'm, I'm actually working on uh, my co-host, uh, he, a guy, wrestler. He works. He trains a lot of these big-time MMA fighters' sons, the up-and-coming new crop say, of uh, fighters that are coming up. So we're bringing him in as a partner. So it'll be really, really fun uh, to uh, talk uh, MMA and combat fighting with him. But uh, why don't we go to a quick break? When we come back, we'll be talking to Mets Marais, writer and editor and friend of the show, Matt Musico, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Whoa, I like this. Should have broken when it's cold. Come on, you wear your backwards hat. Come on. It's the Rangers. It's not the Yankees, but that, that makes you stupid. Anyway, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Right now. As you know, we are the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host. The Big Easy. The Big yo, Easy. Yo, yo, That's right. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, oh, God. Tyler Mothball We're Harrison done. in the studio, as we know. What do you want me to do to get a better freaking nickname? Well. What do I got to do around here? Uh, you got to come into the studio. Uh, right. Bare-chested. No. Oh, um, never mind. Riding on your chest, you love Speedy, and you will let his dog lick your ass. Okay. And if I do that, if what's my nickname? That, it, I'll give you another name. I'll go, better no, name. I don't want you to give me anything. I'll let you give yourself your own name if you do that. No. But you're going to have to do that. How's that? It's always, that, it's always so dramatic. It, it's you know that? It's dramatic. always so dramatic. It makes the show even more interesting, and people will love to see Tyler Harrison come bare-chested saying, I love Speedy, and I'll let, my, let his dog lick my ass. I mean, Speedy likes it, right, Speedy? I didn't say I liked it. That's <laughs> all right, Speedy. Your Matt, dog, Matt, your Matt, dog, we apologize having you expose Your you dog should sue for animal cruelty. That's really what should happen. Well... Uh, speaking of the devil, uh, we had him on the show in January or February time. He was in love with the Lindor trade. I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what he thought about Lindor. We are now talking to Metzmerize writer and editor, Matt Musico. What's going on, Matt? Not so much. What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're very happy to get you back on. Uh, definitely waiting for this because uh, the Mets are the talk of the town. It's not the Yankees, but it seems with Steve Cohen, uh, he likes to make a splash, and he did one uh, this past week, adding Buck Showalter to the list of players that he's added to this team. So before we get into that, how have you been doing? Obviously, uh, you know, being that we haven't talked to you for almost 10 months, uh, how's everything going right now with you over there and, and Metzmerize, uh, the, the whole the whole art, you know, the, the whole magazine, the whole um, I guess, website that you're working on right now for the Mets? Yeah, I mean, everything's going well. I uh, appreciate you asking. I mean, obviously, the first half of the of the regular season was really fun, and the second half was pretty soul-crushing. So, uh, thankfully, after, uh, after they finally found Billy Epler, somebody that actually wanted to work in the front office for the Mets, <laughs> uh, were able to uh, make some big moves, get people excited again. I mean, there was a, certainly a period of time where I had to ask myself, 
probably around September, October. When was the last time I was thinking about being a Met fan and being happy that I was a Met fan? It was probably July. Like the it was the All Star Game, All Star Weekend. You know, Pete Alonso won the home run derby. They drafted um, Kumar Rocker, and they were in first place. And then everything kind of just snowballed. Well, everything kind of tailspin from there. So, uh, thank, thankful, including to a guy, of- including a guy named Rocker, because that tailspin pretty quick too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, like every, like everything in complete succession, everything tailspins, which in typical Mets fashion too. So uh, that wasn't fun, but it's nice to see some optimism again. Because if you can't be optimistic in the off season, then when can you actually be optimistic? Before we get into the optimistic stuff, because I know uh, these uh, – Tyler's become a born-again Met fan. I mean, he's a Yankee fan, but he's a born-again Met fan. I said reason. you did two things right. Two things. I'm a Mets fan. Two things. He's a born-again. <laughs> two things. <laughs> Anyways. Because you hired a manager that actually knows baseball oh, instead of the moron I have, oh, and you signed the best pitcher in baseball. Oh, so God. good for you. Oh, good God. for you. Give me, give me a gun so I could shoot myself in the back of my head. Here, Anyways, sweetie, grab it under the table. Uh, <laughs> I, Matt, think Ar- I think Arrow will be smart enough not if he had a gun not to just put it right under the table. No, I wouldn't, especially in Tyler's hands. But anyways, uh, <laughs> d- let's get into the Mets. and really safe shot. Uh, in the beginning of the season, I mean, Francisco Lindor just had a horrible year. I mean, first year with the Mets, uh, they gave him $34 million a year. He's... He's the second or third highest paid player in baseball. Now he's probably the fourth because the Mets have two of the top five highest paid players in baseball. But that's that you've got the richest owner, so you might as well spend the money, spin the wheel, mm-hmm. make the deal with them. But what were your thoughts with Francisco's uh, first year as a New York Met? Uh, I, I always thought that coming to New York, it's a different, it, it's a different ball game. It's a different, it, it's a different pressure on your. Uh, on the way you play, and I think uh, it was very smart uh, letting Baez go because I think that would have never worked, especially being that these guys were best friends, and it seemed like uh, the whole thumbs down and starting fights with the Yankees and trying to attack guys that are twice the size of them didn't make any sense. <laughs> but uh, what were your thoughts with Francisco Lindor's first year as a New York Mets? Well, I mean, definitely lots of ups and downs, like you said. Certainly a learning process for him uh, as – Mickey Calloway said Cleveland is certainly not New York. So there are two very different places. Uh, so he, I'm sure he took a lot of lessons from all the things that he went through. Uh, he's just never able to recover from those awful, awful two months that he had to start the year. There was just no, he had to, he would have had to have gotten absurdly hot to just get back to his typical season long uh, numbers that he had. So uh, I think when a lot of people are looking at what he did in 2021, they just look at his season long numbers and think, well, he had a terrible year. And yeah, by his standards, he did have a pretty terrible year. Uh, also, but for Mets shortstops, historically speaking, he actually had a pretty decent year. He almost broke the shortstop, the franchise shortstop record for home runs. It was like, was one of, uh, he might've been the first shortstop to have 20 homers and 10 stolen bases in the same season or something like that for the Mets. So there were some positives. He just could never recover. I can't even remember his WRC plus is probably in like the 60 or 70 range <laughs> entering into June. But when we look at how he did from June to the end of the year, I can't remember off the top of my head, but his, his OPS was pretty much right around his career norms. He was much more the normal player that he was. He just kind of went back to who he was, but to be able to look, appear as if he was for the whole year, he would have had to have gotten much hotter. Um, but then also September was his best month of the year as well, too. So I liked the, the idea that he at least was able to recover. Uh, and he did a lot of things that probably 
uh, he shouldn't have done uh, with the whole raccoon thing and then the thumbs down thing and all that kind of stuff. But um, he learned a lot from all the things that he did. And what I liked is that it didn't seem like his confidence ever wavered in himself, which was how he was able to come back and still just be the normal offensive uh, Francisco Lindor that he was with the gold glove caliber defense as well, too. I tend to think I'm a little bit more on the optimistic side. So I do think that his year overall was better than what the overall stats would look like. Um, I kind of equated to Carlos Beltran's first year with the Mets in 2005. It was very, very similar vibe to me. Record-setting contract, have everything built around him. And in 2005, Carlos Beltran had a terrible year. And people were probably saying all the same things that we're saying about, about Francisco Lindor right now. Uh, and then Beltran ended up becoming the best Mets center fielder they've ever had. So uh, a lot of people are just writing him off and thinking it's a big waste. And obviously, will he live up to the value of his contract? Yeah, probably not. Because that's, that's a lot of money to live up to. Uh, and he's in, you know, entering the second tier of his career. But I feel like he's got a lot of good years left. And I feel like he's going to be a exactly what they need him to be within that lineup eventually. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do next year. So the Mets did not bring back Javier Baez after trading for him at the trade deadline, but they did bring in three other offensive pieces, Starling Marte, Mark Canna, and Eduardo Escobar. And I thought they were all, they were all good contracts. I don't think they overpaid for any one of them. So what were your thoughts to those signings? And would you have rather had Baez instead of maybe one of those guys or even two of those guys? Are you surprised he only got $130 million from Detroit? Would you have wanted to bring him back instead of one of those guys? And what were your thoughts on those three players? Um, well, I mean, it kind of all happened very fast. It was like, I think, uh, was it Marte, Canha and mm -hmm. Escobar were all Friday night, the right. Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like we, I think I can't remember which one was first, but I think Escobar was I first. I think Escobar was first. And then, then Marte. was, okay. then it was Marte, then Akana. Then Akana. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And like, I remember looking at Marte, looking at his numbers at the end of the year and thinking, man, like he'd be a perfect fit for the Mets. I just didn't expect him to actually go after him and land him as well too. Um, I, I love the, the things that they did. These, none of these three guys specifically strike out a ton. They got on base a lot. They seem to do well with, um, with runners in scoring position. And thinking about Marte and Nimmo at the top of the Mets lineup every single day, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, and Marte brings specifically, he brings something that the Mets have lacked for the majority of, I don't know, the past decade since Jose Reyes left the first time, mm -hmm. which was the stolen bases. I think he had 47 stolen bases yeah. last year and the Mets as a team had 52. Uh, so just that dynamic and him getting on base at a high clip, Nimmo getting on base at a high clip. I just feel like there's going to be a really good shot for Pete Alonso to break the Mets single season RBI record, just because he's going to have so many ducks in the pond at this point. Um, I was a little bit sad about Baez not coming back to New York just because he we were able to really appreciate how good he is just from a purely baseball standpoint. What a steal by like Detroit, people. by the way. Steal by what? Detroit. Oh, yeah. Steal. Oh, 100%. What a, what a pivot. Offering Correa $275 million and then getting him for whatever it was, 130 like is just terrific. And you know, seeing the progress that he made with his plate discipline specifically, uh, he was still very aggressive, but being able to pick and choose his spots and be a little bit more uh, overall effective. I could see what you're saying about him and Mendor being together and it may not working in the long term. But I also saw it as if you know, these guys are very competitive, they're best friends, and they may like, also push each other. So like, just seeing them together for a full year at least to see what they could do sounded really, really cool and really exciting. So I was sad that they didn't bring him back, 
I mean, that, at some point, you can't just spend. I mean, Steve Cohen technically could, but you can't just spend a hundred million dollars on everybody and bring them all in. Uh, so, I mean, there's still lots of opportunities for the Mets that are still out there. Obviously, with Chris Bryant and things like that. But also, if whatever we don't know what they're thinking about with Jeff McNeil mm-hmm. and how he's going to fit into the into, into these pieces of the puzzle as well, too. So, I think they did a really good job for what they're looking for, and they were able to. You know, I agree. I don't think they overpaid for any of them, especially when you look at the projections and predictions that that were for all those players uh, at the beginning of the offseason. So, I mean, they they spent wisely, kind of efficiently, and they boosted areas of the roster that they really needed boosting. So speaking of spending money, I'll bring it up. The uh, Max Scherzer signing, obviously. Let you bring it up. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously it's the – Highest AAV in any contract in Major League Baseball history. 37-year-old starting pitcher. I think it's a great idea, especially with the future of DeGrom's health. You don't know what that arm's going to be next year. Historically speaking, he should be fine. But even if Scherzer and DeGrom are at the top of their game, you need three other guys that are going to have to pitch for the New York Mets. What are the Mets thinking about with the rest of this rotation? Well, the thing that they really wanted that didn't actually happen, what I heard, what we heard after the fact is that they were pursuing Scherzer and Kevin Gosman at the same time, hoping to land both of them, uh, which would have been ridiculous if they were able to land both of them. Obviously, it didn't happen. Um, they have, they do have a lot of question marks. I mean, when we're talking about each specific guy, Tyler McGill was great in spurts. Uh, Tywan Walker was great in the first half, terrible in the second half. Uh and you know, a lot of people have injury questions as well, too. So I think uh, from what we've heard and seen from reports that have come out, that they're still looking for at least one more arm in the rotation, another arm in the bullpen, and one more bat as well, too. Uh, that seems to be what they're looking for. So some of the, a couple of the um, pitchers that have come up in rumors were like um, uh, Yusei Kikuchi from the Mariners and also Carlos Rodon are a couple of arms that they have they were at least linked to before the lockout happened, um, which I think could be cool just simply because, they, I mean, they both have good qualities, but they're also left-handed. The Mets have no other left-handed starters. Oh, I mean, they have David Peterson, but he's also a huge question mark as well, too. Uh, I think it's nice to be able to have at least a couple of different kinds of looks. We don't want to just have a bunch of right-handed pitchers that throw really hard and have hard sliders and stuff like that. I'm going to bring some different looks. And, you know, I don't know how effective that actually could be in the long run, but I would love to get at least one lefty in that rotation and be able to just, you know, throw, throw if you throw someone like that in between Scherzer and DeGrom in a three-game series, like that's a lot of different looks. That's That sounds that sounds good to me. We are talking to Metzmerize writer and editor Matt Musico. Now, I don't really want to get into the whole Max Scherzer. Everybody knows my opinion towards it. I think he's a great arm. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem, but uh, – a, th- a guy who's going to be 38 in July, uh, he had shoulder problems last year. I, I don't trust the Mets that they're going to keep this guy healthy where <laughs> he's going to be fine. And, and, you know, it's not the Mets thing where they're going to keep a guy like this. This guy's been healthy practically his whole career. He goes to the Mets and he's going to be, well, 43 million. Who cares? Uh, he's just not the same pitcher that he once was. But hopefully that doesn't happen for the Mets fans. But getting back into the Mets, Pete Alonso has been – uh, I believe the face of this organization. He is the he is the name. He is the piece that everybody keeps talking about. Jacob Degrom, but I've always thought ever since Pete Alonso came up, he he got rid of his social medias. He's been very um, uh, very equivalent with with his conversations to the press. Uh, he's just 
uh, pretty straightforward. He, 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 when the whole Lindor thing came up, Pay Lindor, with, with, with everything with Javier, with Javier Baez, with the whole fighting with the Yankees, he backed Javier Baez up. I mean, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's wrong opening his mouth to the press because if he doesn't put up, uh, he's going to get smacked around by the press. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts of the growth of uh, Pete Alonso, I think is, is a special player for the New York Mets? Yeah, I mean, he's – I don't want to say he's the next David Wright for this franchise, but he kind of has that kind of aura about him. He's really happy to sit down and talk with the media, take responsibility, or, I mean, at certain points when they were in that awful two-week stretch against the Dodgers and the Giants in August, continue to say that they had everything under control, which when they obviously did not. Um, I think I think 2020 was a really good learning experience for him uh, because even though his numbers were okay, he did a lot of struggling, and he only really got hot the last week or two of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that was a big point of growth for him specifically. And he's very clearly invested in being with this team, all the things that he's been talking about, how he speaks to the media. Like he kind of, I think he's similar to David Wright where like he could mean that this that much to the franchise, but also different because he kind of looks a little bit more for the spotlight. Whereas David Wright was, uh, happy to talk to the media and take responsibility for stuff, but he was much more of a quiet kind of leader. Like this guy, you know, he wants to create Donnie Stevenson and kind of keep things loose with everyone and like all that stuff. He's most certainly a piece for the long-term future. The conversation doesn't have to happen yet on what exactly you know, he's going to look like be, you know, beyond the next three or four years, but he needs to be around. He's the heart and soul, I think, of the team itself. And it's definitely, you know, when we look at the other potential leaders on the club, you know, not counting Max Scherzer coming into it, but you also have DeGrom who almost never speaks pretty much. So you want to have somebody that at least can be the face uh, and get up in front of the media and, you know, not, not that DeGrom can't do that, but he just prefers not to. You want to have somebody that can do that. Well, if, if a bad season is 37 home runs and 94 RBIs, I'll take it. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah, a pretty good, that's a pretty good bad too. season. So go ahead, Speedy. I was going to ask about Jacob deGrom because he had a historically great first half. It was probably thought of by most people as the National League MVP. Definitely as was the Cy Young. And then he opted uh, not to pitch. Best pitcher in baseball. He opted not to pitch in July right before the All-Star Raid because he wanted to pitch in the All-Star game. Then he had another injury, so he didn't even pitch in the All-Star game. And then we never saw him in the second half of the season. Do you think that was mostly him inflicted? Do you think there was front office management potential that might have gotten in his way? And what do you think this could mean for him in the future coming back from now uh, from all these injuries? Well, I think he's got a lot to prove. I mean, there's there's that notion out there is he throws too hard now, so he just his body can't handle it. So, I mean, he needs to be able to – up until this year, he's been mostly durable. He's pretty – you could pretty much pencil him in for 25, 30 starts, close to 200 innings uh, since his first full year in 2015. Even when he got hurt in 2016, he still, he still pitched uh, at least 150 innings. So, like, he's really the – the bulldog of this rotation or has been he's been the only constant for the most part in a rotation that's been ravaged by injuries for years and years probably for like 20 years at this point um so i mean he he needs to be able to come back and prove that he actually that, you know these things aren't a big deal and obviously he's in his mid-30s now he's already had tommy john surgery he's putting a lot of wear and tear on his on his arm again just with all of the torque and the velocity that he's got so uh, he needs to be able to come back and show that he could do it. <clears throat> so I think that's really uh, what he what he has to prove. And I feel like a lot of the times when he came out of some of his starts early, it was precautionary because he seems to be very in tune with his body. At least is what it seems like. If this one thing is off, uh, he kind of knows to be a little bit more cautious because 
he didn't want to miss a significant amount of time, which obviously not and didn't end up being the case. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he comes out into spring training, whenever that may be, uh, and how he starts the year. Because it, it was it's one of those things where you see someone like Mike Trout have a historically great start of the year, and then he gets hurt, and then we get robbed of seeing a historically great season. It's the same thing with Jacob DeGrom. It was just really a bummer because it would have been awesome to see him finish that. Uh, from from April all the way until the the beginning of October. It would have been awesome to see what he could have done. So hopefully, again, he's learned more about himself and more about his body and what it can handle and what it can't handle. Uh, I do feel like he does ramp things up when necessary and ramp things down when necessary. So maybe he does that a little bit more often, you know, figures out how to pitch with this increased velocity that he continues to have. So I don't think he can throw any harder than he does, but he throws harder each year. So who knows what he'll do this year. So we kind of hit on this earlier. The New York Mets, obviously, a few years ago, brought in Edwin Diaz, who had a uh, very up-and-down first season in New York. Last year, really settled in, only blowing six saves, and uh, saving, I believe it was 32 of them, and really regaining the top-end closer status that he had in Seattle. And he's another young, controllable arm that we talked to with our previous guest. But the New York Mets, in my mind, still don't have the other two or three reliable guys in that bullpen to get the ball to him if a starter gets a little roughed up. Do you have any insight as to why the New York Mets are thinking about getting these arms? Are they going to bring up kids? Are they going to kind of just try to piece it along as the season goes? Are there free agents Mets fans can hope for? Well, I mean, there are probably always free agents out there that we can hope for. Um, I think the bullpen, over the past few years, the bullpen has always had these high expectations and it's almost always fallen flat. I would say outside of 2021, last three or four years, uh, there were these high expectations for them to be among the best in baseball when you look at projections and things like that. And they just completely fell flat pretty much every single time. This past year, they were much, much better, especially in the first half. With the, the rotation having so many injuries, they just ended up getting overworked and overtaxed. Uh, like having someone like Trevor May was great in the seventh and eighth inning. If they have a fully healthy Seth Lugo back, he could be that kind of guy too, to be able to bridge that gap. I think they have the way that they're approaching, it seems like they're planning on approaching addressing the bullpens, that they feel like they have most of the pieces that are already there. And maybe looking for one or two other arms they can help supplement what they already have going here. But I do think out of all the areas of the of the roster last year, I think the bullpen was probably the most surprising slash most consistent as well too. Because uh, the rotation was great for a short period of time, and then everyone got hurt and then everyone started pitching badly. And then the offense never really got never really got going for a prolonged period of time either. We are talking to Mets Mirage writer and editor Matt Musico. And by the way, Dellen Patances is no longer with the Mets either. So, I, no. You know, I was actually thinking about him the other day. And I was like, I can't even remember him even being on the Mets this past year. True. But he actually was, believe it or not. Yeah, I, he I, was. I actually had to look it up to make sure. <laughs> well, he's Mets available. family. Very nice people. Yeah. He, he's uh, he's no, available. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to the Yankees. I no, wouldn't. that would be great. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh uh, why don't we get into a little bit of this lockout, which has been such a conversation, even though there's no conversations going on right now, as we know. Uh, we don't know if there's going to be a full season this year. We don't know when the season's going to start this year. We don't know when this lockout is going to be over this year. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, I mean, with, with what's going on, I mean, what you're hearing uh, behind the scenes with the New York Mets, with obviously, is there going to be a 162-game season? And really... Uh, they said that the the players union and the the coaches, I mean the coaches, the owners 
aren't even sitting down until the new year. So to me, thinking about this and going into the new year, that's not a good sign going in knowing that spring training is supposed to start sometime in February. It could be pushed down to, to possibly mid-March or end of March or beginning of April. If that happens, there's no 162-game season. I don't care what the players say. I don't care what the owners say. It's just not going to happen. So what are your thoughts and some of these rules that they're trying to transition into the league? I think the DH thing is great for the National League. It should have been done and implemented a long time ago. It's going to help a lot of these pitchers. It's going to help a lot of the league to transition to what it should have been for years. I understand they like the old National League rules, but mm-hmm. I think adding a DH is going to help the Mets. It's going to help a lot of these National League teams because it's going to keep players fresh when they need to. So uh, what are your thoughts with some of the new rules that they're trying to implement into the game? Well, it just seems like they're never on the same page about anything, which is, I guess, not surprising, but still just as frustrating. And I agree with you. The fact that they're not even sitting down to talk until January, we're already kind of on a crunched time uh, period of time here. So I think uh, Jeff Passan was just recently reporting, I don't know if it was today or earlier this week, that we shouldn't really expect anything until at least February. And it's like none of this stuff is sounding encouraging, and especially after coming off 2020 with being a 60-game season. It's like this is the last thing that we need that, that this is the last thing that the sport needs. They have problems marketing their favorite player, talented players, most popular players and things like that. And they're trying to get this, you know, the younger demographic in, involved into the game more and more interested in the game. This is not how you do it. The one byproduct of the lockout that I did really enjoy was the NBA style free agency yes. spending spree that happened leading up to it. That was freaking awesome. And I think that's something that should happen every single year. They should have some kind of free agency deadline because that was a lot of fun. Um, but with all these different rules and things that they're trying to implement it just they need to everyone's just really dug into what they want and it seems like nobody really wants to meet in the middle uh, from what at least from what we can tell uh and so much so they don't even want to talk uh i think when the lockout started there was this general sense of hope that it'll be like for a couple weeks but by the holidays everything will be set and we'll be ready to roll but this has been something that's been brewing for a long time scherzer said in his introductory press conference that the players have a war chest of money that they've been packing away since 2016 since the last cba was signed Mm -hmm. for this particular experience so i mean it seems like they're going to dig into exactly what they want uh and hope for the owners to budge which probably is not going to happen because i don't i don't ever really have experienced billionaires uh, compromising so um i don't really experience many billionaires anyways but just from (laughs) from far away it doesn't seem like they like to compromise very much so i mean it's going to be uh it's going to be an interesting why don't i even want to say interesting it may be a little bit of a soul crushing you know next month and change and see see what happens before things actually start to get affected from a game's perspective. So the most recent thing that happened with the Mets, obviously, was Buck Showalter getting hired as their manager, uh, obviously a veteran manager with the Orioles, the Rangers, and the Yankees in the past, and definitely a different in terms of a type from what we saw with Luis Rojas and the other past managers that they've had. So do you think the Mets made the right decision in doing that, and what do you think are the biggest things that he'll bring as a manager? Uh, they, I mean, whether it was him or someone else, they just, they needed someone who'd been there before, not necessarily in New York, but just someone who's been a manager before. Not as if first timers cannot be great managers because we see it happen all the time. Uh, but the Mets tried that three times in a row and three strikes are out. They did it with Callaway and then Beltran and then Rojas and it just didn't work out. Uh, I think what Showalter brings to the organization is just the sense of stability. 
uh, and this preparedness that, you know, he's won 1,500 plus games in the big leagues. He knows how to do this. Yes, he hasn't gotten very far in the postseason, but that doesn't really matter. Terry Collins never been to the postseason before in his life. And he waited 12 years between managing the Angels in 99 to actually going back and managing the Mets in 2011. And he made it to the World Series. So, I mean, just I think the fact that they have someone that's been there before and Buck has had this. I was actually looking at this today for an article that's going to go up tomorrow at Metsmerize. He's had this um, track record of coming in and turning around clubs pretty much. When mm-hmm. he went to the Yankees, mm-hmm. they had like three or four losing seasons in a row. His first year was a losing season. And then that was, the, that was, that was 92. They haven't had a losing season since. Same thing with the Diamondbacks. First year was 65 wins and they won 100 the next year. Then with the Rangers, 71, and then the next year they won 89. Same with the Orioles. His first full year, they won 69 games, and then they won 93. So they need someone who can kind of just steady the ship. Seems like there's been a lot of uncertainty with the Mets. How about that stupidity? It's not stupidity. Stupidity. (laughs) There's no word for it. It's just stupidity. That's that's the Mets for you know when it comes to matters. But I think Buck is – is the perfect fit for the Mets because I think he's going to take them to that next level. And maybe uh, Buck's never won a championship. Maybe Buck wins a championship with the Mets. I would love to and see And I'm it. the born-again Mets fan? No, I'm not. I just I, – I love Buck. I've always loved Buck. I, 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 it's a shame what happened with him and the Yankees. And he's been working with the Yankees. He loves the Yankees organization. I, I give Buck a lot of credit because he stuck by the Yankees no matter what happened with the whole Steinbrenner thing, and everybody knows the story and why he lost his job and Joe Dory took over for him because I think Buck would have won those championships too with the Yankees. I really do believe that. Uh, it's just uh, it, he fell out of thought with obviously the boss, and the boss wanted to move elsewhere to an ex-Mets manager. And I think this could be very – I, I said it in the beginning of the show. I know you uh, you weren't listening or maybe you were. Matt, I, I said that what makes this so interesting is – the Yankees brought in an ex-Met coach, a Met manager, and then they started winning championship after championship after championship right, right. away. Maybe the opposite thing happens to the Mets. He goes to the Mets, uh, ex-Yankee manager, and he wins uh, a championship or two uh, with this Mets team. So I know that's you know safe thought, and that's what Met fans want to hear. But yeah. uh, I think Buck is a perfect person for this team, this young team. He works very good with young players and veterans. So love, I love the, the, out of all the moves that they made in this offseason, Buck Showalter was, I believe, the best move they made in the whole offseason. Yeah, they need someone to steer the ship. And he, he, was, he was certainly, it seems as if, the perfect fit uh, for that particular job. And so I, I'm excited to watch him do his thing on a daily basis too, just because it's something that Mets fans haven't really seen in a long time. His experience with dealing with guys on a daily basis, dealing with the bullpen, like I'm sure every, everyone has a problem with their manager managing the bullpen, but Buck has actually been pretty good at that over the years. It's like one of his calling cards. So uh, being able to see him pull some strings and, you know, pull, you know, bring his strategy into the game. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him do his oh, thing and, you and love, try and get the most out of these guys. And you'll love how angry he gets when he is, he is, uh, <laughs> An emotional person in the dugout, so keep Mister Met far away. Uh, he he's and he's gonna he's gonna work very well with the press too because I think it'll be really really funny when a game I they, the Mets have a terrible game and he goes out and the press asks him silly questions and how angry he gets. He's 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 like to me he he's like the perfect fit. He, he, 
the guy that's going to kick, you know, a kick home plate when he's yelling at an umpire or something like that. Yeah. He's that type of guy. He's savages just, in the box. Is that will, will he throw the base? Lou, Lou Pinella type of yeah, guy. Yeah, I was going to say, was he going to throw the base like Lou Pinella? Yeah, <laughs> oh, he's, that he's that type of guy. I, I think I think he's going to be really, 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 really fun to watch because uh, he has no problems yelling at the umpires. He has no problems yelling at his players. He has no problems yelling at the, the fans if he really wants to yell at them. He is a personality by itself. So I... You should be excited as a Met fan with Buck coming in. Uh, it, it's the perfect fit. Uh, I really do believe it. So uh, I, I get to give the Mets a lot of credit. This offseason has been very uh, sustainable for this team and maybe takes this team to that next level where, you know, the Atlanta Braves won a World Series. Maybe the National League East is back in the runnings to be one of those divisions to be 2023 uh, World Series champs. They'll go at every other every other year at the National League yeah. East. Wins maybe the, the Mets Series. are the next. Maybe the Mets are the next. 2023 World Series champs. Yeah, yeah. Could happen. I'll take it. I'll take whatever I can get at this point. <laughs> Wishful thinking for all the Mets fans. So the, yeah. yeah. I, I, I still yeah. think I th- I think they're in good shape. Uh, it's actually Tyler's turn. I just asked a question. Go ahead, Tyler. Oh, five. Sorry, I missed a musical. So why don't we put our GM hat on and, um, you know, Mr. Big and Rich comes to you and says, hey, listen, don't worry about the pay cut. Don't worry about anything like that. And don't even worry about it being a fair trade, right? Just give me the one player that you would do anything for to trade for to bring to the New York Mets tomorrow. Um. Hmm, and let's try not to say Mike Trout's name because obviously he's going to be the name that everyone brings up. Trout, yeah, Harper, it's like blah, blah, blah. Mike Trout for Dom Smith, straight up. Right? <laughs> he says no. The Angels uh, might accept best that. Best trade you know. in, in in sports history. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, in, in a reverse scenario, would trade back Aaron Boone for Max Scherzer. <laughs> At this point, I would just do Aaron Boone for Joe Girardi straight up and call it a day. Oh God, please. please. I would say I have loved him from far away and I would love for, although he has an unfortunate name, I would love for the Mets to go get Luis Castillo from the Reds. Yeah. Don't worry. A-Rod ain't hitting a blooper that way anymore. <laughs> uh, but being able to have him as part of like a three-headed monster in the top of the rotation, that would be unbelievable. I think he's going to be a Yankee. I do believe that. I, I think the Yankees have been, I mean, the name Luis Castillo has been, been called up like seven, eight times in the last past year. I, I think Cashman is going to do everything he can to, to bring Castilla to the Yankees. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work because he, he's coming from Cincinnati, a smaller ballpark, a hitter's ballpark. Uh, him coming to the Yankee Stadium, maybe. I, he didn't look good in the first half of the season last year. He looked great in the second half. So uh, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. Being in New York, it's not – you know, it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, ask his uh, counterpart over there that's playing with him. So yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah, work. Sure. It didn't work. And he, then he went to Cincinnati. He was a all-star pitcher. So uh, it, it doesn't make sense. But that's – I don't think it's going to be a problem with guys like Max Scherzer because he's a veteran. He's played there before, and he's pitched well there before. But Max Scherzer also came out and told – you know this, Matt. He came out and said he hates the Yankee fans. He hates New Yorkers. I don't want to be here. And then all of a sudden he takes – $43 million from the Mets and says, okay, I'll come here. I'll, I'll be the it. highest pitcher in baseball. So, Shit, the Yankees should have made that phone call too. No, he wasn't going to play here no matter get, what. They weren't going to get No matter sure, what, so. he was coming to the Yankees. That's <laughs> for damn sure. I think the main, the main competition for money was You could Angels. give him 50, he wouldn't have came here. That's bullshit. I'm telling you, he wouldn't have. He didn't want to. His, his wife hates the Yankee 
fans. That's fine. $50 million would make everyone love the New York Yankees. I'm telling you. Don't forget, he's getting $15 million from the Nationals for the next, like, seven years. That's too. true, too. <laughs> he's already he's making, like, $57 million next year. That's it's like It's crazy. It really unreal. is crazy. It's unreal. I mean, look at Bobby Bonilla. You want to talk about unreal. I mean, or this Rick guy, DiPietro. Go ahead. I, uh, Go ahead. Rick DiPietro, too. Yeah. I can't stand that asshole. Excuse oh, my language. Jesus but Lord. I, I know. There are I kids know, watching. I know Rick DiPietro for you know, as a hockey player, I used to play with him in high school, travel teams. I can't stand the SOB. Me and him have had it out. We, I was at the Islander playoff game, and we were from one glass to the other. We hate each other. So I, I can't oh, stand no, him. not the great old Errol Marks. You're damn right. I'd break his friggin' you-know-what. Oh, you know? I'd put his goalie stick up as you-know-what. He's still making three, four million a year from the Islanders for the next 20 years. The Celebrity deathmatch. Actually, he's not dumb. He's the smart one. The Islanders are the stupid ones. Matt, Matt, I don't know if you saw this fun fact on Twitter, too. Uh, Bobby Bonilla will still be getting paid after Francisco Lindor's contract expires. (laughs) I I have seen that, yes. I mean, that's like the the best contract in sports history. It really is. It's like, and I, I hope... Cohen does he wants to like celebrate it I think and I think he should like like what's the best way to get out in front of a joke just make fun of ourselves they're already the Mets like we're already used to it it's he's not a, a big fan deal. too so it. he knows yeah yeah exactly he knows exactly what it's did like did you want a rod what did you want a rod because I felt bad I wanted a rod and JLo you got out of your mind oh god no <laughs> no way you want and, and you then like they clowns. broke up like a month later that's like I would have been can you imagine the fraternity fine, but, over that like come on I, I don't it was really more a rod I wanted JLo's just obviously the face well if of you the like opera. clowns and you like a circus bring a rod in that would be perfect for the Mets yeah. I mean if they want to be they want to be an organization looked at as clowns. I mean, he still well, bought the he Timberwolves. Wanted, he wanted to keep Fred Wilpon around, or um, Jeff Wilpon around. Of it would have been the did. same same crap all over again. It was, yeah. that was, they dodged the bullet so so hard there. It was, that was. Uh, I feel bad. I, I'm speechless by it. Just, <laughs> just thinking the fact that he could have still been around just makes me. Hey, like, listen. Me this is the guy that wanted a Rod to take. Over I the love a Rod. It's really more a Rod, and I don't think a Rod could. And have that been... shows you why he's not a Met fan because. If he I wants to A-Rod. throw the Mets under the bus, I like A Rod too as a player. I he was to me he was a much Second better player, than player De- of our generation. Probably was uh, he really was. But uh, the guy, when it comes to uh, building teams and stuff like that, I wouldn't trust him. That's just me. But uh, <laughs> uh, he don't have the money anyway. So as much as he has the money, he doesn't have Steve Cohen money. And by the way, uh, taking that Bobby Bonilla contract, that Steve Cohen a million dollars every single year couldn't uh, couldn't bother the pennies that are you know. Pending in his pockets. Why doesn't Cohen just time? pay him up front? Here's the ten million dollars. Just leave us alone. The joke is over. <laughs> ten million. Uh, you're talking about like thirty, forty billion. Okay. His contract's thirty years long. It's it's like up until two thousand thirty-five. It's it's a long time. It's a long time. You're <laughs> shitting me. Yeah. No. no, and it's not that. Lindor, long. Lindor's yeah. contract. He retired in two thousand. Lindor's yeah. contract will expire <laughs> before Bobby Bonilla's contract. It's a, it's a crazy contract. And, and by the way. Bobby Bonilla is smiling to the bank. So why is he crying about it? He's very happy. Does he still live in New York? Yes, he does, actually. Yeah? And, yes, and he's he does. not and robbed? he has a house in Florida, too. And, and he's <laughs> no one robs this guy? No, he's Rob. clearly good for the money. Mm. Well, a million dollars isn't a lot of money anymore. No, it, well, no not especially here. But we're not going to get into taxes, but uh, Jesus Christ. He doesn't get taxed for that money, too, by the way. 
Shut the fuck up. Are you serious? Could you stop with the curses? What? Jesus. You, you said like eight I in said, a row. I said, excuse me. You've been excuse adding, me. You add two, three me. curses to a show. I mean, come on. All right. You curse like All eight right. This isn't a cursing minutes. show. So, yes. He, he, he doesn't get taxed for that million dollars. That's amazing. So He is a genius. Uh, he is a genius. Well, actually... Whoever his gave him, yeah, his agent's a real genius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's no, he's probably get a little cut too every year. <laughs> you know who's going to be paying the taxes off of that, Mister Steve Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, before we let you go, man, because it's uh, we're very happy to have you, and we definitely want to get you on again if you would uh, let us. Oh, he's he's awesome. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, I know, but I might have scared him away just now. No, you did. <laughs> I'm, I've, I've never heard the F word before in my life. Yeah, really, you, you probably you know, haven't. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Scarred forever. <laughs> if you if you hear the stories about Speedy and his dog, you really will be no, scarred. You don't, you don't want to. You want to go into this? <laughs> you don't want to hear those. You got you got you got alcohol at home. Pop open a cap. I got one for you. <laughs> Matt, I will not expose you to those. Don't worry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, before we let you go, uh, one more question uh, for all of us, and and that is, uh, when you when you look at this team as a whole and, and, and you look at the national league over the, the last, I would say 10 years, it's been dominant by really three teams. Uh, obviously the Cardinals uh, who have been a, a dominant force, uh, the Dodgers being another team. And uh, who's the other team, Speedy? We the, Giants. the Giants, the Giants, the Giants yeah. are another organization. We look at the, we look at the, the Dodgers? Uh, Cardinals, Dodgers, Giants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You look at the seeds that grew. These teams was pitching and starting pitching. When you look at this team as a whole, adding Max Scherzer to this team with Jacob DeGrom, if they can stay healthy, this could be the most dynamic uh, duo pitching, you know, starting pitching we've seen in probably 20 years. That's how the Yankees in 97 or 98 when Roger Clemens, David Wells, Andy Pettit, I mean, when you had all those, Jimmy Key, I mean, you had all those players on one pitching staff. Uh, what, what are your thoughts uh, to you know the Mets organization and what the Mets organization believes this pitching staff will be if they could stay healthy. When you think about the Mets and you look at their history, all of their good teams have been built upon really strong starting pitching. Tom Seaver, Jerry Kuzman, Dwight Gooden, Ron Darling, and and more than that, and you know all those kinds of things too. I mean, it's just the, what they can bring to the table as an elite duo. Because when you look at certain statistics, nobody has been better than these two guys mm-hmm. in the past, like five years, mm-hmm. uh, since 2016, they've won how many Cy Youngs, at least four Cy Youngs together have been in the top three or five, like eight different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the watching them. And I think the, the thing that will be also interesting is watching them compete against one another as well, too. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you look at a really good rotation, you got to have one or two Bulldogs at the top to set the tone for everybody else. And that's what DeGrom did last year in the first half. He was so terrific, everyone had to elevate their game. Walker elevated his game, Stroman elevated his game, and that's what really helped that rotation be so good. And having these two guys that are each in different stratospheres, it's really going to work wonders for this organization. And I think Ron Darling said it best probably a week or two ago is that he equated uh, Max Scherzer coming to the Mets and like the impact and effect that he'd have on the team as like Tom Brady going to the Bucks. Wow. Same kind of thing. Wow. And you know, think of someone on the older side, veteran who doesn't give a crap about anything that just wants to come in and compete, mm. like just like changing the culture. The Mets need a culture change. Yeah, they do. Showalter's going to do that. 
Scherzer is going to do that too. I think just because just with the way that they carry carry themselves on a daily basis. So uh, if he could have that same impact that Brady had on the Bucks in Tampa Bay, that, I mean that would be that would do a world of good for this club to get to that short term goal of getting to the World Series, but also being a sustainably good club like the Dodgers, like the Giants, like the Cardinals for the long term as well. Well, my friend, uh, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, the cursing too. Well, very, very, you know, and maybe when you come, when you come on the show again, we'll, we'll give you that little feedback about Speedy and his dog because uh, okay. you don't yeah, want I mean, to hear, like you don't want to hear that, Matt. <laughs> I, it'll startle you. It will it definitely will startle it'll you. It'll startle you. It like startled, startled me. me. Yeah. <laughs> it startled everybody. I mean, you're selling it kind of hard though. So I'm, I'm going to have to hear it. Probably. Yeah, it's no, I'm not selling anything. They are. <laughs> We're not. We're just telling the not. truth. <laughs> By the way, uh, Jeff also comments: Showalter is the perfect Mets move. Signing somebody twelve years after they should have is so fitting. <laughs> well, yes, yes. he's uh, he's about eighty years old, and he's. <laughs> but uh, I, I think Showalter, his personality fits where this Met team is. So, uh, Matt, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. I'm on Twitter at mmusico8. This is just m m u s i c o eight. Uh, always there talking Mets, talking baseball, and you can find my work at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, thank you for joining us. You're awesome. And we'll have you on very, very soon, as always. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. As you guys know, we were just talking to Metsmerized writer and editor Matt Musico. Awesome. Uh, funny. And, and, and he has to hear the Speedy story. He has to. He has to. It, yes. it's, it's fitting, you know. We were, we were going to sell it to Matt Fontana, okay, from the Cleveland, ESPN Cleveland. Fontana. Radio. I didn't want to startle him, you know. He probably really would think we were crazy if we told him wow. that story. Wow. And by the way, wish him a Merry Christmas. We didn't do that. Uh, happy holidays. A happy holidays because uh, I completely forgot that it is Christmas uh, a few days away, and I, I, I forgot to wish him a happy uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. So uh, send that to him, and Fontana, and, and Mr. Musical. What if they celebrate too. Hanukkah? Yeah, whatever. Happy New Year, Kwanzaa, whatever the hell you celebrate. Who cares? Shalom. Yeah, Shalom. Is that the only word you know? <laughs> Baha. Yeah, well, there are, there are words that you need to fill in the blank to help that big head of yours, man. I mean, I, I mean, look at those ears. They just, like, stick out. They poke out. Speedy, what do you think about his ears? Uh... You think he looks like, you know, is he related to Dumbo? What do you think? Ha! <laughs> no, they're not that big. They're not that big? You don't think so? No. You, you, I don't think. I've, I've, I'm, surprised you don't, I, I'm surprised you don't hide your ears under I, your I, I've seen. I've seen bigger A ears lot of people do that, you know. It, it you're a, talking to me about ear size? Yes, absolutely. I've seen, you I've you're even, talking to me I've about ears. You can't even ears. see my ears. What are you I know you've about? got big ears. I don't have big ears. My ears are fine. They fit my head. Yours, on the other hand, they kind of curve to the left or curve to the right. Well, no, that that is actually a thing, though. It is a thing, genetic thing. Yeah, there. It's uh, like some ear. Some people's ears like have the have it like where it hangs off like that, and some are attached. He's got small ears. He's got little peckerwood ears. Look at him, like like Woody Woodpecker. No, he's he's got. you know, see how it drops like like cartilage right here. It actually is a thing, and some people's don't have that. It's actually attached. (laughs) My father actually has one of each. (laughs) I do too. This yeah. one's straight to my head, and then this one hangs. That's why you got to hide them behind. No, no, it's the bottom of your ear. Your yours flops like mine. <laughs> I feel flops. Like I, mine. No, I think that's the term for it. <laughs> is it floppy ears? You know. Yeah. Uh, Snug also comments attached lobes is a recessive trait. I, I I think that's some kind of genetic thing. Yeah. yeah. The well, flops. The flopped ones are more common. Flop ones. My floppy father ears. actually. My father actually has one of each though, which is very rare. You have floppy balls, Speedy. 
No. I'm just asking. It, is hot. it does it does fit in the conversation, you know? Yeah. I mean, your dog's not here, you're safe. I mean, I'm just I'm just saying, you know, it it does fit the conversation. You were talking about earlobes. Yeah, I know. You know, med- medically sounds, you know, when it's hot in in a place, you know, you know they do stick this to the left tea leg. Bags. Tea bags. <laughs> tea bags. Yeah, you like dipping tea bags? Hold on. Yeah. I've got this. <laughs> okay. When you, you go got. home, or you you should go home and have a tea bag. No, right. don't you don't you dare tell him that. <laughs> Usually, when you say these things, I don't even. I, well, it's good that you don't know. <laughs> yeah, really no. You're, you're anyway. better off. You're better off. Yeah. You never played Call of Duty, huh? You should tea bag. I played your it dog. before like, a while ago. <laughs> I played before a while ago. Why do you bring oh, Call of sweetie, Duty? You are one in a million. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Speedy Petey, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yes, Danny, you can call the show now if you want. <laughs> Shall you? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. You should so. teabag your dog. Yeah, you should. Oh. <laughs> Payback's I mean, a, payback's a bitch. Oh, Suggle. man. Sug also called Oh, us. God. So Speedy's father is actually a secret superhero. Probably. Who knows? We'll call him uh, Super Teabag. You know? All right, Tyler, to answer your other question about Call of Duty, I played it I played it a while ago. That's but right. I, I asked you a question. That's right. Okay. right. I don't know why you were asking that. but Well, I, no, because th- there's a lot of teabagging in Call of Duty. Yes, now. a lot of teabagging. And, and why not talk about teabagging, teabagging with a teacher? Danny, what's going on, bud? What? Hello, Mark's my friend. What's going on? We were just talking about teabagging. And why not bring yeah, in... I heard. I was so excited I called in immediately. I'm like, teabag? I love tea. <laughs> you know, and... and, and I gotta hear this guy you, speak. You, you don't know Danny? No. Uh, I don't you, know who Danny is. Danny, oh. you never read his stories? You have to read his stories on? Oh, wait a minute. Dan Rizik. Is he, is he, he's the editor. Yes. Oh, what's going on, man? I re- he's a redheaded guy. Uh, he's not redheaded, but... Redheaded, blonde hair. what? You have, like, blondish, reddish hair? Now, Dan, Danny, I no, think he's... No, no, it's grayish. Oh. <laughs> it's grayish. oh, sorry. At least you have hair. Yes, he has got more hair than you, that's for sure. All right, asshole, we didn't need to bring that up. <laughs> Who's that young, uh, ignorant, fuck the fuck, to, uh, young, ignorant person, stooge, I'm talking to right now? <laughs> the I young... know Speedy, I love Speedy, of course, I love you, yes. and the new guy is... Tyler, Tyler Harris. New! You know him. He's been around. Hey, I went to the meetings with you. Yeah, I, t- Tyler has. I was at that recently. Daddy hasn't called the COVID, show but, um, since he's allowed in the so, summer. Got, in the summer so before you were I heard on. The Mets interview there that you just did, and I was like, "There's so much to say." And um, I'm not plugging the thing I just wrote that I posted like a few moments ago, hmm. but uh, and I don't know if you've spoken about this either. But I wanted to bring up a point that I have been chewing on recently, hmm. and I could be wrong, and I would love to. You guys tell me if I'm wrong. But like, uh, like when I was in high school, and this was a long time ago, we had a fight club before the movie was, or book was written, mm. and we just go in my friend Vinny's garage and punch the crap out of each other, mm. and that was Fight Club. And but you can't um, talk about like fight club. the the worse you hurt someone, like the better you were at Fight Club. But eventually, at some point, realize like it's excessive. We're still gonna do it, but it's excessive. But we're not gonna stop, right? Mm-hmm. And that brings me to Steve Cohen. Mm. Like, Steve Cohen came to Fight Club uh, with $16 billion mm-hmm. of Fight Club money when most owners had between $1 and $4 billion. Mm-hmm. And for the first year of Fight Club, he, you know, took punches, didn't really punch back, took the beating. But all the other owners were like, listen, <clears throat> there are 
things we know and things we don't know. Things we don't know is what does $16 billion feel like? Things we know is we don't have your money, but we have the talent. Mm. And and Steve Cohen played nice twice in Fight Club. Oh, well, I'll, I'll take this guy as an assistant GM. I'll take this guy as an assistant to an assistant GM, and I'll, I'll promote them, and I'll do things. It didn't work out. Let me ask you guys if I can interview your assistant. No one? No one? No one? Hey, I was Max Scherzer. Do you want the biggest contract in baseball history? Done. Hey, uh, Marte, $20 million more than else will do? Done. Hey, guys, guess what I could do? I can punch money. So you won't let me punch players or, or, or management. I'll punch money. Hey, uh, Billy Epler, you're not working right now, but you're a former Yankees employee trained by Gene Michael. Yeah, sure, we'll take you. Hey, Buck Showalter, former Yankees employee, you know, storied franchise, we'll take you. Hey, uh, Brian Cashman, next year, your contract's up in December, right? <laughs> Welcome happen. team president. It like he's happen. he's like I'll poach successful organizations. I'll pay players money they can't say no to. Because what I can do is this: you don't want to help me, I'm not going to help you. And you know who benefited from that is um, Baez. You think he's worth 150 million dollars in Detroit? No. But did Steve Cohen change the pay scale of all players? Yep. I think uh, first of all, I think Javier Baez is worth every single. Yeah, I, I think they actually underpaid I disagree him completely. 37 home runs, 90-some IRBIs on a bad year for Do you think infielder. three years from now he'll be doing that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, he's young. He's, he's, he's 26 years old. Baez is really only his, – his only flaw in his game is he strikes out a lot because he's got a very long All swing. But that's really it. He plays good Just defense. think about this way. Corey Seager. Corey Seager got 300 – Corey Seaver got $325 million, and Javier Baez, in my eyes, is a better, way better player than Corey Seager. So just think way about it better? this way. Yes. I wouldn't say he's way better. I think, he's yeah, better. I wouldn't say way better, but he's definitely he's better. better. Way better? I think he's way like, better. Way is a, like, a I think step above. Seager like, just has like durability Kevin's issues. way better than uh, I do. Like, I, think he's, I think he's – Wow. Baez is neither of those guys, but I hear what you're saying. I, I think if you look at what Baez has done – first of all, Baez won a championship. He he won yes. one. Uh, you look at Corey, Corey Seager. You could say he wasn't even on the team when they won a championship. Yes, he was. He was the LCS MVP. I believe. Yeah. He, yeah, well, you know, that, but yes, that in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he wasn't 100 percent healthy, and he got he got. He yeah, I'm surprised he got the money too. Yeah, because it, of that. he's not worth the money. He really wasn't. And and the fact is, is hey, listen, he got the money. The contract is the contract. Take the money, okay? You can't argue somebody well, that's getting offered that well, money, but. And Errol, here, here's part two that I just heard mm-hmm. that I have to completely disagree with from mm-hmm. your last caller. Mm-hmm. Um, with the baseball lockout, lockout again, not strike, mm-hmm. lockout. Um, I know, we make a joke about it. Can you tell me any time in history, in history of any industry, when employees that went with a labor dispute were asking for something so astronomical that it would end the industry and screw over a company? Because, I mean, I don't know. In the last 200 years, there's never been a time where an employee said, I want a 700,000% raise. Because <laughs> that would be kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But what about this? What if a player said, I want a 400% raise? Mm. You might be like, well, that seems excessive. And I would agree with you. Well, Except the, the, the guy that bought the mm-hmm. Chicago Cubs in 2012 paid $1 billion for the team. And today the Cubs are worth four point three billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So in a decade, the guy's value of the team increased four hundred percent. 
Well, but just, the players just, can't get paid. Just think how much the Mets are going to be worth. Uh, yeah, you, you, yeah. Look, if Steve the Mets Cohen, win something, they're worth a lot of money. But right now, they're worth what Steve Cohen paid for him. Yeah, well, um, the he's Yankees, the second, he's the second richest the owner. If of a team sport. is worth yes. two point five billion dollars, the players that create the team value aren't worth the money. Mm-hmm. He, here's what baseball should do: pay the players. Because I don't watch baseball to watch Steve Cohen or Tim Ricketts or Jackoff Johnson in, in, in Colorado. I, like that. I watch the, the game for the players. I don't care about the owners. Uh, I care about the players because mm-hmm. they win the stuff. And so, the players and are the so ones should get paid. Pay them. Sucks says Danny. Just stop has... the lockout. Pay them. What do you want? All right, all right. We'll stop screwing with player service time because if we sit you for two months of one year, we get your free rights. Oh, really? That seems that seems honest and, 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 and not disingenuous. Like, let's stop it. You guys make enough money. Owners of these teams. Steve Cohen will buy this bets for $2.5 billion and sell them for $6 billion. He'll see more than twice what he paid for it as a profit. And meanwhile, we're cutting Michael Conforto, which I don't disagree with. But, like, but it's like, we can't pay him. We can't be Syndergaard. Uh, sure, we, we can't do that. Connor's a much like, better player. The, the owners are such greedy, horrible human beings. And what, do you think the ticket prices go down? You know what's actually gone down in baseball? The average salary of baseball players. Over the last six years, it's decreased. But uh, property values for teams have increased. Hmm, why is that? Mm-hmm. Snug says, Danny has been busy teabagging the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Danny Snug... teabags everybody. Um, <laughs> he does. Your dad, everybody? Everybody. <laughs> just, they all get, it's all the same just stay away from his You need dog. powder? People just lie. You watch people lie in your face, and they go, listen, I don't know. I think I got a pulse and a brain. I, I think you might be full of shit. And the thing is, they are completely always full of shit. Like, anytime a billionaire says to you, listen to what I'm saying to you, what you're saying is really give me your money. Snug also like, says, hmm. I didn't get to be a billionaire by being dumb. Give me your money. And that's how that works. But, but I'm, and again, I love Steve Cohen. I love what he's doing. He's being a, he's being a, a 1970s George Steinbrenner. He tried to play nice and then stopped playing nice. And I, I would love to see this with the Mets because the Mets have been, for so long, the abused child. Like they, they, says... they are the, the abused child in the family where it's like, oh, we don't, we don't have an analyst department because that, that costs us like, you know, money. Oh, don't you guys have a TV network? Yeah, but we keep that money for ourselves. Oh, oh great. Fantastic. The fans who pay for the seats get to not enjoy the game because you want the money for yourselves. Awesome. At least now the owner can't have an excuse. There's no more Ponzi scheme excuse, which was an excuse. There's no more, um, well, you know, we have to pay. But no, no, Cohen's so wealthy that the Mets don't even matter to his life. Cohen's paying more for works of arts than the Wolfhounds paid Mike Piazza. Oh, man. Stuck also says, hmm, maybe Max Scherzer could be an assistant GM fun. in his third year of his contract when his fastball tops out oh, at 90 also, miles per that's hour. That's a great point you Corey made. Scherzer, is a what, thief. A fa- what a phenomenal, brilliant move by Cohen. Hey, Max Scherzer, you're the union vice president for baseball. Yes. Okay, here's an offer that's 20% more higher than the next highest paid player in baseball. Union vice president, refuse this offer. Because if you do, what you're saying is, we pay you guys more than enough. Hmm. Welcome, Max Scherzer. I just, I just gamed you. <laughs> and it's like, well, there you go. Like, because what Scherzer's going to say no to the highest paid offer in baseball. If he does, he screws the whole union. Hmm. Cohen put him in a corner. It's like, there you go. Say no and watch what happens to everyone's salaries, or say yes. Look at the Mets. 
Stug also says Corey Seager is a thief. He is robbing the Rangers. Jeff says this guy is exactly correct. Pay the players. Oh, Se- Seager lost money on that deal. Seager. Also, I wouldn't be surprised after this lockout ends if Cohen throws off a Korea and play second base. No, I don't think no. so. No. I think they're in Cohen's field. Got so- I think I their think infield is set. If the Mets are, if the Mets are going to the spend edge, money on, like, I'm snapping back now. If the Mets are going to spend any more money, it's going to be on pitching. It's not going to be. Oh on my god, they're going to they're going to they're going to bring in two relievers, a starter, and and probably another bat. Well, if what? Chris Bryant falls what? to them and Chris Bryant's available, I, I don't know if they necessarily need another bat. If one falls to them and they could get it, okay. I think they're going to be fine with offense because they also have Brett Beatty coming up if they don't trade him well, for something I, I else. Be honest, so like, that'll Beatty be third base. Should be here, Vienna should be here, but I can see Nelson Cruz as the one-year stopgap. That's fine. I don't mind anything like that, but I don't think they're going to make any of the big splashes for hitting. I think pitching will be where they spend the majority of the remainder of whatever money they have left. I, I kind of feel Cohen's account. pissed off. I think he's got some things to, to some bridges to burn mm. but um but speaking of bridges to burn like what's with the nhl not canceling games in october november but now it's like oh well, you know, said the same the thing the after they screwed I the islanders I maybe th- the nhl i said i said has it. a certain bias i i i agree with you i said i i said the same thing when here it comes that, no it's true and, and you can't deny that i'm wrong about it they should have done it when the Islanders had nine players out for COVID, no, they let the yep. Islanders play and they lost ten games in a row. And then up, oh, the Islanders yep. fall out of position to even make the playoffs right now. And now all of a sudden, because three other teams got COVID, including the Rangers, you know what? We'll cancel the season till the game till got they get canceled healthy. because the it's, Montreal Canadiens can't travel to the United States. That's right not now. the only reason why. That is not the only reason well, yeah, why. That's they what closed, the, they that is the why. That is why the NHL is is lying to the fan. And, and telling the fan the bullcrap that they've been telling us since day one, since two years ago when COVID actually started. It also wasn't just the Canadians. They co- closed off That's all what it is. Uh, inter-border games. Right. Unless it doesn't matter. Already. Like, 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 it is for, what it is. For, for, for me and you, like, we're, we, we'll probably survive. If we got COVID, we'll probably survive yeah. it. It'll suck for a while, you know, maybe a month, maybe mm-hmm. a year. But, like, for pro athletes to lose breathing is pretty much a career. Like, if you don't have anaerobic... Aerobic uh, strengths, like you, you can't play pro sports. Um, it just it doesn't work that way. And the NHL, which is a high speed, high intensity sport, like you got to fly to play that, that in that sport. Even the the, the ho- most awful skaters are still pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're you're looking at a league that depends on that, and yeah. like every team's like full of COVID. I'm like, how come it seems that once Montreal. And Toronto and Calgary affected the league shut down, but when like New York was affected, Florida's affected, it was like, ah, oh, we're fine. No, nope. I don't think it's a bias there. I I, I agree with you, uh, Danny. Thank you for calling. We'll get you on again. I love you, man. You know I do. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, Danny Riziki. I love the guy. He's, he's so so very funny. Uh, has a great personality, as you guys know. Uh, if you yes. read his stories, uh, he's got two new stories. Uh, going up on the network, uh, sensational. Uh, really, really. Before sensational. We, before we get to our our picks and the NFL stuff, uh, Snuggy's final comments. Yeah, we're no, not doing a show we're tomorrow. We're not doing a so show we tomorrow. We got to do our picks today. Uh, Snug also says, "Uh oh, it sounds like we're getting conspiracy, Earl. We remember this whole Tom Brady didn't cut his hand and the Super Bowl fix. The league did not actively seek to screw the Islanders. I didn't say they screwed the Islanders. I said that the league should have canceled." The whole season, like, put a hold on the season when the Islanders lost nine players and they decided to keep on going. And the Islanders put players on 
on the ice that you never even heard of, and they lost nine games in a row. So, Snug, you can say whatever you want. Those are the facts. And then all of a sudden you see Montreal, Toronto, Calgary, the Rangers, New Jersey. All of a sudden we're going to hold up the games until the new year. That's not fair. If you're going to do it for one, you do it for the other. And that it was wrong by the NHL for screwing the And yes, they screwed the Islanders. Now that doesn't mean the Islanders can't make the playoffs. They could go on a run and they can make the playoffs. But no thanks to the NHL and Gary Bettman for not looking out for the team and the organization the way they should have. So you're wrong, Snug. Another stupid thing that comes out of your dumb mouth. By the way, Jeff has also arrived. Jeff, what's going on? Ah, hello. I'm just here to hear Speedy read our picks from last week to see what happened. What happened, Speedy? You gained more ground. Gained more ground. That's right. Bigger lead. Yeah, good. good job, you're going to come on and you're going to make the picks and make the same old picks that everybody else makes and, and don't come out of the box. What are you talking about Make the same old picks? The pick, you picked the, the favorites. I, you picked the oh, favorites, yeah. The Patriots yeah. were a four-point dog. Yeah. You picked the Patriots for one reason, because you're a Patriot fan. That's the only reason why. Them. I didn't pick them for that reason. I picked them for a, a different, very specific reason. Bill Belichick has an amazing record coming off of a bye week, which they were, and that's why I took them, which I thought was a very uh, solid reasoning for doing that. Did the Patriots win? No, it didn't work out. Were they dogs? Yes, they were dogs, but that's why I picked them. So... Don't be like, oh, because you're a Patriots fan. Because there's been other times where I picked against the Patriots. Yeah, you, you picked the I, Bills. You picked the Bills against the Patriots. I picked the Bills exactly, and they and they lost that one too. So don't say I always pick the Patriots. All right, I don't all do right. It. Are we ready to make our picks? I'm ready. All right, let's get the picks going. Let's go because we have 35 minutes. Or, well, let's recap though. Let's let's recap. It'll be fun. Speedy, what are the standings again? You're so, only up. You're up by. One. You're now up by five, five because you gained one five. point. You gained one point last week. I didn't even check my own. So I was just mainly checking you. Too. All right, let's go. Uh, let me uh, pull up the games. Well, we'll do Thursday night first. We'll, we'll do yeah, the 49ers well, at the, the Titans. It's Thursday night. I know that for All a All right, fact. so 49 at the Titans. Speedy uh, I'm going to take the 49ers in this one. Tennessee's still very banged up right now. Didn't look great in the second half against the Steelers last week. And I think the 49ers have really found something. Didn't, isn't Derrick Henry uh, on his way back? Not, not this no, week. Maybe, maybe, for the play, maybe for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah not, it's not going to be this week if he comes in. Uh, I'm going to take the 49ers, though, just because I think they found something much more well-rounded on offense. It was originally just... Debo Samuel doing everything, and now they're getting a good, well-rounded offense. Jeff Wilson was good last week against the Falcons defense. It's pretty good against the run. Not great against the pass, but good against the run. So I'll take the 49ers low-scoring game, 20-13. to 13. I think San Francisco will also win this football game. Taylor Lewan is out, so Nick Bosa is going to have a field day on one side. And also, I believe Roger Saffold's also yes, out there, best is. guard. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really easy for them to get pressure on Ryan Tannehill, and they're a top-six defense against the pass. I'll take San Francisco and quietly very quietly, Jimmy Garoppolo is having a season out there. So I'll take San Francisco 28-17. Jeff, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going to take San Francisco as well. You know, I think Brian Tannehill is being exposed right now as one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. You, now that Derrick Henry isn't there supporting that team, and I think A.J. Brown's going to be out for a while yep, yep. too, is he not? Mm-hmm. He's I are. Right, so, you know, there's nothing to like about the Titans right now. So give me San Francisco. I also got San Francisco. I they, they have no running game. Uh, they don't have their star wide receiver. And their offensive lineman, their best offensive lineman, could be out for the next two weeks. Uh, that that's really explains trouble, especially the way San Francisco's defense has been the last couple of weeks. Really look like a top-edge defense. And, and right now is a top-five defense right now in the league. So uh, give me San Francisco 28-14. to 14. Um, 
Green Bay and the Browns. I'm going to take the Packers in this one. I think it'll be close. The Packers' defense hasn't looked as good in the last couple weeks. So I think Cleveland, even with their injuries on offense, will still move the ball enough. I just don't know if they have enough with their pass defense to be able to stop against those receivers for the Green Bay Packers. Who they Even outside of Devontae Adams, did well last week against a pretty good Ravens secondary. And outside of Denzel Ward, a lot of the rest of the Browns secondary has struggled. So I'll take Green Bay close, 27-20. This game's going to be very close. I think it's going to be very similar to the Monday night game we just saw. You hate the Packers. You really do. I don't think him picking the Packers close is hating the Packers. No, he hates the Packers. He always picks the Packers to lose or oh, the game's close and it never Except is. Except against the Vikings. It's never close. No, it's he, never close, he, the games that he picks. But he, he, but he, did, never pick the, he, he, did, he did pick Go the ahead. Vikings. What do you got? What do you got? This game's not going to be close. It, it will be very close, actually, uh, because... Believe it or not, the offense of Green Bay is ranked 14th, and they're going up against the top five defense, and they have a very good running game that's coming into town, so we'll be close for that reason. Your boy Aaron Rodgers gets the W, 24-21. Jeff, who do you got? Yeah, I'm taking Green Bay. You know, I, I'm still not sure who's coming or going or whatever on the COVID list for the Mountains. They were extremely shorthanded uh, last week, even though they – or yesterday or whatever, even though they played really close and, and it was a really good effort against the Raiders, I, I don't know what's going to be available for them. I can't take them. Give me Green Bay. First of all, it's going to be really, 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 really detrimentally cold on at 4.30 on Saturday in Green Bay. That means the running game is going to be abysmal because the ball's going to hit the ground. It's going to bounce out of the hands. I, I don't think the Cleveland Browns are going to be able to run against this Green Bay Packers front seven. It's going to be a huge problem. They're going to have to air the ball out. And who's going to be throwing the ball? As much as I like Nick Mullins, it will be Nick Mullins. It's not going to happen. This is not even going to be close. I think the Green Bay Packers I'm are going to torture. Baker was playing seven. Uh, the Green Bay Packers. No, he's not. The Green Bay Packers are going to torch the Cleveland, whatever you call them, the Cleveland Browns, the Cle- Cleveland Turds. Uh, 27-10. Okay. What a terrible city Cleveland is, isn't it? What a dump. Colts, Arizona, Saturday night. Another one that will be close. I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one. I think the Colts, I think this is like one of those things that are a little too hot right now. I think this is the one that they lose. They had a big win against the Patriots last week. Then the long week, they kind of lose a little bit of the momentum. I think Jonathan Taylor will still play well in this game. Obviously, the Cardinals have had a lot of trouble stopping the run, but I don't think I, I don't think they have the same success against defensively against the If he the runs 140 offense. yards in this game, they win. Okay? Just so you know that. Yeah, I, I think he could get close to that, but I think the defense, their their biggest weakness is the, their secondary right now, and the Cardinals receiving depth. I think it'll be too much. I think they'll be able to hold their own in the Hopkins red zone. Hopkins isn't playing. I know, but they still what got Green. They still, they, got Ron, they still got Kirk. Green. They still got Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk. They're all good receivers. Mm. Zach Ertz has played very well since he's gotten there. And you so, forget how good the Colts have played defensively. Yeah, but I don't think I, they're, they're still And by leaky. the way, who did the Cardinals lose against last week? Detroit the Lions, Lions. Okay. the best two and eleven team think, in NFL history. So yeah, it should be obvious for the for the Colts in that case, but that's, that's not the way the league works this year. I'm going to take the Cardinals. Close game, 23-21. Well, I'm actually going to disagree with you completely. I think the Colts are going to go into Arizona and steam mop these people. You can't lose to Detroit and then play a competitive team like the Colts and then just go, oh well, we fixed our problems. There are big problems in Arizona that we've all ignored because Kyler Murray was an MVP candidate. DeAndre Hopkins is gone. They haven't been able to really sustain the running game all season long. It's been here some weeks, been gone the next. I'm taking the Colts going there and kind of blow the doors off, 34-14. Jeff? Yeah, I'm taking the home team in this one. 
Uh, a couple of bad weeks for the Cardinals. They haven't looked good. I think this is a perfect bounce back week for them. Uh, you know, they have a lot to play for. They're still in the hunt for the best division in the NFC. Uh, and I, I mean, honestly, how can you bet against Zayvon Collins? <laughs> I, Special team stuff. I think when you look at the game, the running games are very similar. Obviously, the better running back is on the other side with Taylor. But I think uh, over there, the Cardinals have run the ball very, very well. I, I think the fact that Kyler Murray hasn't looked good the last two weeks, I think he needs to come out very, very strong this week. I think the pressure is on him to make the plays. And I think this defense is a lot better than people have seen them the last two weeks. So I'm going to take David the home. I, I, I think that it's going to be a very close game, but I'm going to take the home team in this game. I think it's going to be very close. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 28-27 uh, at the end of the game. This goes overtime. But give me the Cardinals. Uh, I think they could still run the ball. I think uh, their running game with Connors has been very, very, very good. A lot better than I thought. So give me the Cardinals. Um, uh, Giants and the Eagles. Eagles will win this not pretty easily. I think it'll still be kind of close, but I, the, their defense is playing very well right now, especially against the run, which is a big weakness for them in the beginning of the season. They're getting much better at it. That pass rush against the Giants' terrible offensive line is going to be a feasting day for it. The Eagles' offense, the first meeting, did not look as good. I think it'll be close just because the Eagles are on a short week having to just play on Tuesday, but they'll still win this Spit game. Spit it out. Let's 20 go. to 13, Philly. Jesus. Philly wins the game. They're at home. They have the best running game in the NFL. I'll take Philly 28. Who's got the best running game in the NFL? Philly. I don't they have seven straight games, 175 yards. Yeah, but I don't think they're the best running game. No, in the well, that's a that's yeah, how, they're all marks that. That's a fact. Well, it is, but I don't think they're the best running game. But go ahead, Jeff. Who do you got? Yeah, you know, I hope Mark's listening because I want to give uh, credit to Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Been playing very well lately. Right. So, uh, you know, and there's nothing to like about what is there to like about the Giants? It's impossible to pick the Giants. Right. You look at the last game, you could pick the Colts or the Cardinals or you can make a case. Can anyone make a case for picking the Giants now? Give me the Eagles. Yeah, I got the Eagles, too. I think the Eagles have a chance to still make the playoffs. Uh, They played very well against the Washington football team. And by the way, Jalen Hurts has had a very good year. There is no conversation on who the quarterback of the future is over there with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So give me the Eagles uh, 28-17. L.A. and the Vikings. Uh, I got the Rams in this one. I know they're coming off a shorter week too, but the Vikings secondary does not really bring a lot against these receivers. It's going to be very hard. I think Minnesota's offense will keep it close because they have enough weapons where they can decoy Jalen Ramsey, but I think the Rams offense will end up just being too much, even on the short week. I'll take L.A. 34-24. to so this game, I think, will be actually fairly close um, just because I think that Jalen Ramsey is going to lock down Justin Jefferson. But Adam Thielen, if he's going to be able to play, that's going to be a huge gap for the Vikings. And Dalvin Cook will be able to get some big plays in this game, even though the Rams' defense does very well against the run. But Von Miller looks like he's finally figured out the role in the defense, and the Rams will score fast and in a fury. 40-24, uh, to 24, Rams. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, man, got to gotta take the Rams very quietly. No one's talking about this. Cooper Cup on pace to beat uh, Megatron's receiving record for a single mm-hmm. season. Could happen. So hard to, hard to bet against him, hard to bet against if the Rams. If he does that, he wins the MVP. We'll see. Who cares? You always want to talk MVP, whatever. Right, Doesn't matter. So. Cooper Cup still having a great season regardless. Uh, I like the Rams. The defense is coming on. I like the Rams too, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings win this game. Uh, the Rams have not looked good. 
overall for the last couple of weeks. They've have they have weaknesses, especially in the defensive side of the ball. I know Jalen Ramsey hasn't been in the defense, but uh, as good as Jalen Ramsey is, the second side, I, they haven't found the other guy that's going to help out, and I think teams are going to figure that out. Give me the Rams in the game, uh, 28-20. Uh, Buffalo Patriots. I'll take the Patriots in this one. The Bills, you, I always say the Chargers are the least clutch team in football, but it's actually the Bills that are the least clutch team in football this year. They're 0-5 in one-score games this season, and this game's going to be close again. I don't think... I don't think the Patriots are going to throw the ball three times and win again, but they will still run the ball very well. Buffalo's had a lot of trouble stopping the run, even in other games, too. And I think they'll be able to control the clock. And I trust them in a closer game more than the Bills. 20-17, to 17, New England. I am, I'm heartbroken. I don't know where to go with this. I really don't. I can't see New England losing two in a row. I really can't. But I don't think the Bills are going to... Uh, because it's in New England, I'm going to go... I'm not going against Bill Belichick. Uh, I'll take the Patriots. 10 to 7. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, yeah, this is a hat and t-shirt game, right? Big motivation. Patriots win this game, they get hats and t-shirts. Um, I'm with Tyler on this, unfortunately. Uh, hard to see Belichick losing two in a row. Uh, the Bills are going to be motivated. A lot of people talk shit about the Bills. They were very upset at that press conference after the last Patriots game. But, you know, Pats at home. The Bills haven't seen any passing offense yet and still lost the game. I, I don't know how I can take the Bills, so give me the Patriots. You know, I'm, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take one for the team on this one. I'm going to go with the Bills in this game. Um, I, I look at this game. This is a more important game right now for the Bills. If the Bills lose this game, uh, you know, it, it really puts them – if they play the Patriots in the playoffs, uh, the Patriots have their number. And I, I, I think the Bills really need to prove – a point right now, and they really need to show that they're uh, the team that they were in the beginning of the season. So give me the Bills. It's going to be a very close game. Uh, again, it could go either way, but give me the Bills. Uh, a couple of key guys out for the Patriots, so it's not a bad pick. Yeah. We, we still don't know if Damian Harris is going to play, and Kendrick Bourne just ended up on the COVID list. Now he's vaccinated. He might be able to come back, but as of right now, he's not playing. 21-17. I think it'll be very close. Buccaneers-Panthers. This is the bounce-back game for the Buccaneers. They're just getting shut out by the Saints on Sunday night. I think they play much better in this game. Carolina's really struggled offensively. Quarterbacks, turnovers, just everything with that. And Tampa knows how to stop the run. So even if they run the ball a little bit. Just spit it it's out. It's a, be, very, a very easy pick. Speed. It's going to be very hard. So even no Godwin, Antonio Brown comes back. I'll take Tampa. Redeem, redeems themselves. 31-14. to 14. Uh, It doesn't have to be a long book. Get to a point. We have, like... Six other games, seven other games, Speedy. Upset alert. The Carolina Panthers win this game. It has nothing to do with Cam Newton. Tom Brady will light up the scoreboard. I just think the Panthers are going to be able to find a way to get it done. Panthers win the game 24-21. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, laughable to think that Cam Newton could win a game in the NFL anymore. Did anyone see the last pass that Cam Newton threw on that that fourth down (laughs) conversion? It was a screen pass. It yeah. made it three yards <laughs> out of his hand. And that's the team that's supposed to win. Give me the Buccaneers. Yeah, it's going to be the Buccaneers. And I, it's not even going to be close. The, the Panthers haven't had a running game since, I don't know, since the beginning of the season. Um, I, they I, haven't had a quarterback all season. Well, you're probably right. Uh, the Buccaneers completely demolished the Panthers. 45-10. to 10. 
Jaguars, Jets. I think I'll take Jacksonville in this game. I think last week was supposed to be that redemption game. It wasn't for them yet, but I think they'll find something without Urban Meyer. Uh, the Jets are all COVID, have a lot of guys on COVID and not their head coach in this game. So I think it'll be very hard. So battle of interim coaches. And I like the matchup offensively. Spit for the it out. Let's go. With James Robinson against a bad run defense. 27-20, Jacksonville. Go ahead. I mean, this game sucks, right? But this just seems like a game the Jets will win. It shouldn't There's be. No way a game. they're winning this game with the injuries that they have. I'll the take COVID. the Jets 14 right. 10 over the Jaguars. Okay. Uh, who do you got, Jeff? Under normal circumstances, I'm taking the Jets. I saw that COVID list, and I think the entire offensive line it was is. on it. It's, it's, they're yeah. all out. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. So I guess I'm just taking the Jaguars because of all the missing Jets players. Yeah, I got the Jaguars too. I don't need, I don't think this game's going to be close because. I don't know who's even going to start on this team. I, I think it's going to be all a bunch of rookie people that you never even heard, red, red-shirted red guys. So uh, give me the Jaguars. Jaguars win 28-10. to 10. Lions, Falcons. Two teams that like to lose games late. I, I'll take Atlanta. Uh, Detroit, I can't see winning two games in a row. Kyle Pitts has a big day, gets closer to 1,000 yards. 24-20, Atlanta. I agree. I think Atlanta's going to kind of dominate this whole game. I, I think it could be the return to Detroit, 31-17. Jeff? Yeah, I'm torn because I really like Detroit. They're really playing hard. Like, they haven't won a lot of games, but they're competitive in, like, all of them, right? But, yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm still going to take Atlanta, unfortunately. But I, I really like what Dan Campbell's doing with Detroit. I, I want to pick Detroit really, really badly, but uh, it's in Atlanta. If it was in Detroit, I'd pick Detroit. Uh, Falcons win the game. Uh, very close. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions win 28 20. Um, Chargers, Texans. Chargers win pretty easily. Uh, they lost Eckler for COVID, but they're not gonna. They're not gonna need that much against the Texans. They still have enough weapons. 23-13, uh, LA Chargers. This game, I think, might be closer than everyone thinks it'll be. I do think the Texans will cover this spread, but Justin Herbert gets it done. Chargers win. Jeff, this is how you do it, Steve. Chargers. Okay, Earl, go ahead. Yeah, the Chargers are going to win. It's not even close. Uh, 30 to 4. <laughs> four. Two yeah. safeties. Yes. Nice. Ravens, Bengals. I'll take the Ravens in this one. I, the Bengals took the first meeting in Baltimore, and a lot of the AFC North games have been a lot of the road teams winning. I think the Ravens, they're not this bad. They're just banged up right now. I think their defense bounces back. The Cincinnati defense still has had their issues. I'll take the Ravens 23 to 20. Bengals blow the doors off this team. I don't know what Lamar Jackson is going to be playing in, and the Ravens the Ravens haven't stopped the pass all year, and this is a very pass-happy offense. Bengals 34, Ravens 21. Jeff? All right, before I make the pick, I just one question. Is Lamar Jackson playing? Yes. Then give me the Ravens. Mm. You know, I, the Ravens have something going. They do. They just put up a bunch of points on Green Bay. Cincinnati hasn't been playing well. They only scored 15 points against Denver. Mm. Yikes. Yeah, I got the Ravens, too. Ravens need this game really, really bad. Mm. Uh, they're on a surge of just being embarrassed by team after team after team. How many games in a row have they lost? I mean, they just haven't played well. And, yeah, I think it's three. Yeah, they, mm. need to, they need to win a big game. Give me Lamar Jackson to win that big game. Ravens win the game uh, 24-17. Uh, Bears... Seattle. This is an interesting game. Yeah, this is going to be a sloppy game. There will be a lot of turnovers both ways. Both of these offensive lines are terrible. I'll take Chicago, though. I think they just have I a. Chicago's going to win. I think Chicago just has a little more trustworthy uh, weapons right now, and I, Seattle's defense still is leaking. And Tyler Lockett's out. Okay, yeah, uh, that doesn't help either. That's so. great. Yeah, so I think 
they can game plan for Metcalf has been very streaky as it is. I think the Bears can spread the ball around just a little better. I'll take Chicago 24 to 20. I'm taking Russell Wilson and Pete Cow at home. Really not much else to it. Uh, Seattle 31. You know, they have a better record away this year than they do at home. I know. So do the Saints. It's very Right, weird. but hold on. Russell Wilson missed six weeks. Yeah, but he hasn't won much so, games when he was in the game. He's so. still playing with a Same. broken finger. Go ahead, Jeff. Same, same with the Patriots, by the way. Patriots this year, three and four at home. Mm. Oh, wow. Not great. Yeah. Well, who do you got, good. Jeff? Well, what game is more unwatchable, this one or the Jets-Jaguars game? Jets-Jaguars. Jets-Jaguars. You think? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Matt Nagy's I, still coaching the Bears, so. Listen, Justin I, Fields I, I, and Russell Wilson are going to make highlight plays. I don't know. Yeah, but you can say the same about wa- wanting to watch two young quarterbacks yes. and Zach Wilson. And, They'll and be Trevor fun to Lawrence, watch, too, right? yes. Yeah. Right. Like that, it, it's some, I can't decide which is worse. Anyways, I, I hate myself. I hate Matt Nagy. And I'm taking them. Mm. I, I, I can't. I I no Tyler Lockett, no Jamal Adams. I'm not sure what they are. Yeah, they played all right against the, the Rams, but I feel like it's all imploding in Seattle. Yeah, I like Chicago too. I, I Chicago's defense and and Seattle doesn't have Tyler Lockett. They're gonna have problems, and they haven't run the ball very well this year. And they're run first, throw second team. I, I don't know what's going on with this team. Uh, give me the Bears. It'll be close, 17 to 14. Uh, Steelers, Chiefs. Now this game. I believe is an upset. I, I really do believe this. Could I be an upset. couldn't disagree with you more. I think this is yeah. a blowout. I think this, the Chiefs are going to win this pretty easily. They've stopped the run a lot better in their surge of a winning streak. The Steelers have not been able to move the ball outside of running the ball with Najee Harris, and that secondary is a mess for the Steelers. And the Chiefs are getting their secondary weapons back. I'll take the Chiefs in a big time blowout, thirty-one sixteen. I agree with you. Everyone that counted these Chiefs out, we all said just pump the brakes. They'll figure it out. Look, they figured it out. And T.J. Watt got very, I'm not very hurt. He got hurt very late in that game last week. I'm going to take the Chiefs 34-17. Go ahead, Jeff. Errol, I want to agree with you, but I've watched a lot of Steelers games this year. And if you've seen the Steelers play, it's impossible to think they could upset anybody. Big Ben is a shell of what he used to be. I don't think this game's going to be close. I'm with I'm with the other two idiots. Chiefs by a trillion. I got the Chiefs in this game, but I I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers win. Didn't I, you just say two minutes ago you think it's an upset? I think it could be an upset. Listen to what I say before I say it. Sounds like could, a fence rider. No, fence fence rider. Yeah. What are you talking about? Because if the Steelers do win, you're going to come. I told you so. I told you upset. Speed, I said I this. Well, could, that's what he does. He likes to play both sides. No, of the I don't. I pick my teams. I picked my teams, and if you want to see my list of teams, I said the Steelers could win this game, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers win this game. So the pick Chiefs, the Steelers. No, I'm going to pick the I'm going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs because they're at home. It'll be close. I, I I'm I'm willing to bet you it's close, 27-24, and the Steelers will have the lead going into the fourth quarter. Define close before you move on. 27-24. I just told you. Well, are, are, right, right. Now, if it's uh, right, no one really gets the exact scores right. It is what it is. So define close now. Three. What would not be close? Um, two touchdowns. Two, touch- two touchdowns. So, yeah. so 14 points or greater, and then we can all say, hey, it wasn't even close. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's okay. my margin. I just, I just, yep. All right, yeah. I Listen, I just want to have some parameters here. So when the Steelers get, like, you know, <laughs> Eight points total somehow, mm. right? Mm. And the Chiefs score forty, right? You, you're not going to be like, well, no. it was close. No, I'm end. not. 
No, I'm not. But I, I'm telling you, I think the Steelers has a chance to win this game. Uh, Raiders, Broncos. I'll take the Broncos. Low-scoring game in this one. Uh, the Raiders just still not trustworthy. I know they beat the Browns, but like you were saying, they should have. Those a very ugly game. They should have won by a lot more. Denver's defense played well against the Bengals last week. The Raiders' offense looks awful. I'll take the Broncos, 17-13. I'm going to take the Broncos, and there's an arithmetic to this. Ready, set, go. The Broncos win and lose every week. Alternate perfectly. That's why they're seven and seven. The Raiders for the last five weeks have win, loss, loss, win. Loss, loss, win. So, therefore, they're due to have two losses in a row. I'm taking the Broncos. Jeff, who do you got? I'm going to buck the metrics that Tyler just gave you and pick the Raiders. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater already been ruled out. That's not good. Oh, I think it's season only scored 10 points last week. Right? Uh, you know, it, they're not exactly an offensive juggernaut. The Raiders have some pieces I like quietly. Hunter Renfro having a really good year. Yeah, he is. You know, so... You know, even without Waller, they still got Jacobs. They still got some things in moving the ball. Brian Edwards is starting to maybe pick it up a little bit. Their car's uh, great. Uh, he's like, yeah, he's been playing. You know, listen, and they're all fighting through this tough year with David Rugs. Arnett and yeah. Ruggs and Gruden and all this other stuff. Uh, I, I guess I'm taking the Raiders. I've got the Raiders, too. <laughs> uh, I, I think the Raiders being that they're at home, the Broncos. No Teddy Bridgewater. I I mean, who are you playing? Drew Locke? Give me a break. I mean. Don't be surprised uh, if he has a great game, though. He won't. Yeah, okay. I don't think he'll have a great game. Um, I think he can have a great game. Give me the Raiders. Uh, I think the game won't be close. 27-10. Uh, and final game of the week. Uh, two more we got. We got oh. Sunday and Monday nights. Oh, I, well, this. this Washington is and Cowboys is Sunday night and Dolphins Saints Monday nights. Uh, doesn't what show a great that on game my that's going to be. Doesn't show that on my list, but okay. So uh, Washington Cowboys is now. Uh, Washington Cow- Cowboys. What do you got? Yeah, I got the Cowboys in a blowout. This is a tough, tough, short week for Washington. Terry McLaurin and Trayvon Diggs will kind of cancel each other out in a way, and the Cowboys can stop the run, which doesn't bode well for the next best players on these teams being running backs for Washington. I'll take Dallas 30-17. to 17. I'm going to take the upset here. I'm going to take the Washington football team. I think Dallas is going to be really high on themselves, and when Dallas gets too comfortable, they get really sloppy. And Dak has been a terrible quarterback for the past four weeks. So I, until he figures that out, whatever. But I haven't seen that he's figured it out. I'm going to take the football team 21-17 over the Cowboys. Who do you got, Jeff? I think this game could be close. Dallas is pretty banged up. Zeke's been playing through some injuries. Tony Pollard playing through some injuries. Diggs is obviously out. I just think they have more than uh, on offense than Washington does. They just have the potential to score more points. So I'm going to take Dallas. Man, I want to pick. I want to pick the opposite of you, but uh, you've only picked one opposite of me. Yeah, That's it. You only yeah. got one game different. So if you're trying uh, to make up some ground, now yeah, it's yeah, not, well, not too late to switch to the Steelers. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. Uh, you won't do it. You won't do it. I'll go with Washington in this game. Yeah, that's what I'm talking I'll about. I'll go with Washington in this game. Oh, I, all right. Speedy, you know. mark me down for a six-game lead. <laughs> I got Washington but, in this but game. But, Jeff, how much are, you know we would be much more satisfied with the Cowboys losing. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It, that, I, I, no, because I want to beat Errol in the regular season because that's fun. And it's also more fun when the Cowboys are play halfway decent during the regular season. It makes their playoff wet down even. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's literally what Stephen A. Smith said two weeks ago. Uh, I got. Oh, I'm gonna. Like, I'm gonna honestly, take. I love the salty taste of Beeb's tears. <laughs> I got Washington in this game because I. I just. I. I just want to pick against 
Jeff in this game. So I got Washington. Uh, Dolphins. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't, don't no, say that's I what I'm doing. Because I'm betting against you. Pick, no, pick who you think is going to win. I have the we Cowboys, but I'm going with Washington. Know, dummy. I'm going with Washington. Um, Dolphins. Saints, last game of the week. I'll take the Saints in this one. Kind of like what I was saying with the Colts. I think the Dolphins are due to get due to lose. They've had too big of a winning streak. They didn't look great defensively against the Jets, especially in the first quarter of that game. And the Saints have been not great offensively, but at least efficient enough where you could trust them. They can stop the run, which is going to make it harder for the Dolphins' offense to be well-rounded. And Lattimore, if Wild does play, Lattimore can shadow him. So I'll take New Orleans in this game, 20-13. to 13. I agree. I think New Orleans is defensively has figured it out. I think they've really fixed all the problems they had in the midseason. And I don't trust to attack a Viola. So I'm going to take the Saints 17-7 over the Dolphins. Jeff, what do you got? I, I mean, by the way, for everyone who had Brian Flores dead and buried five games into the season, oh, he's terrible, they don't buy – now he's on a seven-game win streak. Where are those muggles called St. Brian Flores doesn't do a good job? Hmm. But I'm still taking the Saints. They're at home. I think they'll do enough offensively uh, to, to you know, win this game. Because I think the, the Saints defense, I actually think the Saints defense is great. Uh-huh. Like, really great. Yeah. So, so I'll take the Saints because I, I don't think Miami can score a ton of points. The Saints defense is that good, I think. Yeah, I like the Saints in this game, too. Uh, unfortunately, um, I think their defense proved that they could be an elite defense in this league, and uh, and you saw them shut down Tom Brady in that offense. So I, I can't see the Dolphins scoring a lot against this defense. So um, I got the Saints. Saints win the game seventeen to six, I guess. And that's that's our picks of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you only pick two against me, so yeah. it's either going to be a seven game lead or a three game lead. Yeah. Well, there you Man, go. There you this go. is tough. <laughs> well, this is tough sledding for you. Yeah, well, it is what it is. You know, <clears throat> You're running so. out of weeks here. Oh, well, you know, that's Maybe it. you should pick before me next time. So then Shut I up, you idiots. You. Shut up, you idiots. Not too late to change the Steelers now. <laughs> no, maybe later. We'll I see. think he should. Let's I think he should. Right. Yeah. I think he should though. He was building up the he was building up the upset. Don't you think he should? I can't the wait upset? until it's close and and I stick it to you, man. Because because I think it is. I think it's going to be very close that game. Is but. that is that the happy dance? Look, the Steelers almost won. Yeah, but you don't have to argue with me when you think they've got torched when they don't. Anyway, uh, I don't listen. I, yeah, I don't think the Steelers have. And uh, can you honestly like look at this year? Like just look at this year. Cam Newton, terrible. Ben Roethlisberger, terrible. This is like the year uh, quarterback position died, right? <laughs> There's like five good ones, and everyone else is like, what are we doing? Yeah. Jeff, thank I you mean, for calling, man. Do you have any confidence in Ben Roethlisberger? No, but I, I have confidence in their running game, and I, I think they'll be able to do enough and maybe make plays defensively where they can win the game. So, um, but. <laughs> Snug says it's half points for almost games. No, Snug, it would not be the case. There's actually been a couple cases where I got the score right and the team's reversed. Mm. So if that's what counts for almost games and I didn't get any for that, no. All right, Jeff. Thanks for calling, bud. Yep. Go Islanders, right? I'm glad they shut down the the rest of the season. Mm. Well, as of right now, it looks like it doesn't look good. So. We'll see. I I love that they decided to do it now to screw over the Islanders because I I think that's perfect. Because, like, the the Islanders are, like, the one franchise in the league that doesn't really have a fan base that matters, right? Like, if this had happened to Montreal, 
Canadians fans are passionate enough, they would have been screaming about it. it would have been on hockey night in Canada and the whole Jeez, thing. It's not over. They I, called it till the new, the new, the, I, they called I it to December I, 27th. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now that the Thrashers don't exist as a oh, franchise, I mean, I think the, not the Islanders Thrasher. have the most the irrelevant the fan base in the Yes, they did. I mean, I mean, but don't you think the Islanders have the most irrelevant fan base in the league now that the Thrashers don't exist? Goodbye, maybe the Jeff. Coyotes, Goodbye, maybe, maybe Jeff. The Coyotes I was going to say the Coyotes, good, the Coyotes could be moving, goodbye, so they Jeff. might not have them. <laughs> goodbye, they Jeff. They had but, to pay their loans just to get in the building the other right. day. Goodbye, Jeff. Yeah, they should move to Quebec. Quebec needs another team. Goodbye, or Jeff. Or needs a team again. Goodbye, Jeff. <laughs> you suck, you Islanders fans. Yeah. Okay. Jeff, there you go. Uh, out of control. Anyways. Uh, happy holidays, boys. Yes. Happy holidays to mm-hmm. all and to all a good night. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, um, we won't be back ho, until ho, ho. we won't be back till next week, Wednesday. Uh, we are taking off tomorrow, so that's why we did our picks today. I want to thank uh, Matt Fontana, uh, Mr. Well, e- uh, Mr. Uh, ESPN Cleveland radio host. Thank you for joining us. Um, also, I'd like to uh, thank uh, Mets Marais writer and editor Matt Musico for joining us. Uh, he was sensational like he was the last time he came on the show. So thank you, uh, Matt, for joining us. Um, that's it. Uh, I guess have a very Merry Christmas to all the fans and to all the people. Uh, stay safe. Drive carefully wherever you go and stay out of trouble as, uh, you know, you, you might lose control of your car and get 110 years. So who knows? Uh, anyways. That's a lot of shape. Yeah, well, that's the world we live in. Um, that's it. Good night. Have a low, save a, save a, whatever it is. Good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.